Hello and welcome to another special episode of York Hospital Ball. This week we've got John Ward, a man who many York City fans know for the fantastic job he did of rebuilding York City. They were kind of at a low ebb, it's fair to say, at the end of the 80s. Bobby Saxon's era and then John Bird. For a lot of trying, got, got a decent squad together, but it wasn't quite working. John Ward came in, having been a coach under Graham Taylor for a number of years at, at Watford, Aston Villa and, and also England and uh, it was his first managerial appointment and what an appointment it was. He did a fantastic job rebuilding York City, turning them into look like relegation fodder into um, promotion candidates in, in such a short space of time. And of course, John left to join Bristol Rovers, which at the time was, was quite controversial. And uh, he goes into great detail about how that kind of all came about and the kind of real truth behind all of that. Obviously at the time we, we hear lots of different things in, in the media and stuff like that, but. Uh, this is it kind of um, first hand from John. John also had a, a fantastic career post York City, not just with Bristol Rovers, but won promotion with Bristol City, was a coach of Wolves when they got to the Premier League, also uh, won promotion with Cheltenham Town, nearly got promoted with Carlisle United, you know, had a fantastic career and, and I'm sure people will really enjoy listening to this. It's a, a bit of a bumper edition, I think it's the longest episode we've ever done, but me well worth every minute of it. John talks about everything from his playing career right to the, the kind of present day really and um, I'm sure not just York City fans will enjoy this interview but, but fans of us other clubs he's been associated with. Before we start the interview I have to say a massive thank you to Mark Scar and his nephew Joseph Kendall. Mark got in touch with me a while back to say that he'd, uh, he'd met John at a wedding and uh, John knew him really well and would I be interested which of course I would be you know John was in charge of, of the first York City side I ever saw and that effectively kind of got me hooked in so um, you know thanks to those guys for, for kind of setting this interview up it's really appreciated so I'll do the usual spiel of uh, how you can help York Hospital Radio at the end but until then uh, sit back and take two hours out of your day to listen to this uh, epic episode with John Ward So absolutely delighted to speak to you, John. And I have to start by telling you that I began sporting York City in 1992. So I don't know whether to thank you for hooking me in or blaming you for hoodwinking <laughs> me um, for supporting them all these years. Now, of course, we'll discuss York City at length, but I wanted to sort of look back at your playing career with Lincoln City to start with. Yeah. And I read that you, you signed forms in 1970 and they took you to the dressing room and your stuff was on a peg next to the captain, Graham Taylor, a man who you had a long association with and friendship with. Do you ever look yeah. back and sort of think that was almost like a sliding doors moment, not just in your career, but almost in life? It was a big moment for me, and particularly in life. I mean, Graham came to my daughter's weddings, et cetera, as well. So it became a became a friend from that sort of moment onwards. But I, I was obviously new to the game, even though I was 19, 20 years of age. I'd been doing a proper job, <laughs> things like that, and, and at work. I've always wanted to be involved in, in football and, and get in the peg next to Graham, who was captain of the team at that time. Graham's six years older than me, um, was captain of the of the football team, and, uh, and obviously I'd went on to manage, etc. But he... He sort of welcomed me in as you pegged John, sit down. And every morning that was sort of not the same, but we, we would, because we sat next to each other, we'd chat together and stuff like that. And it was the start of a, of a long-term friendship uh, with, uh, with with both families. And sort of 1975-76, you scored 29 league and cup goals, including four against Chesterfield yeah. as part of a record-breaking season. I think you won the Division 4 title with 74 points, which I thought at the time, I thought, oh, that's a good point. So, and then I remembered that, 
you know, that's remarkable considering it was only two points for a win back then. Yeah. Was that kind of almost like the peak of your playing days that, that season? It, it, it sounded like it was an incredible campaign. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I finished with 29 goals and Percy Freeman, who was I was the number eight, he was the number nine, he got 25 goals. So, uh, and we had a, a guy called Peter Graham who did a, I think he did a cruise ship by Christmas, but had 14 goals as well. So there was a, there was goals going all, all around and, and stuff like that. And we, we actually lost the first game uh, away to Newport County and, and only lost three more throughout the season. But it, it, I can touch on, on this one. We, we, we missed out the previous year uh, by four hundredths of a goal of getting up in the, in the top four. We're actually up after 45 games and uh, lost the final game and, uh, and, and stayed in fifth place and obviously stayed in the division. So it was a remarkable sort of comeback, if you like, from that disappointment to, for everybody concerned. But it was, um, it was, it was a fantastic effort from us. So we, we, you know, we really made the most of that promotion after the big disappointment the previous season. And it was remarkable that, that Graham Taylor, I think, started managing when he was 28, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. what was your relationship? You, you mentioned before there that you, you kind of built a good friendship. How did yeah. that sort of change as you were playing under him then when, when he was quite a young manager? Yeah, I think talking with him as, as you did on a daily basis, as I said, when we went in, we changed next to each other. We talked to each other a lot and I, I did my full badge when I was 25. So I'm um, playing at Lincoln City and we between us as, as away from Lincoln City as it were but with football we we set up the Lincoln and District Football Coaches Association and that that was working with lads who were working in Sunday League and my, my upbringing was Sunday League in football and my dad was a chairman my brother and I played in the team of a, of a local club and that, that was something that was really close to, to me and, and, and we set it all up and we, we, we've got Jack Charlton you know the, the, the Leeds United guy down there one Sunday and we had 50 people turn up to pay us a couple of quid just to cover his expenses etc but have a full day doing coaching and working which, which was fantastic so you know there wasn't just me there was Sam Ellis, the player was involved, and other people, other players who were interested in coaching were involved as well. So, but uh, but Graham and I set that up, and he, he volunteered me as the secretary because he was older than I was, and, <laughs> and I got the job of keeping everybody informed. But but really, really good good part of my life. Yeah, really nice story. And 90 goals, uh, 90 plus goals even for Lincoln City. Yeah. Over 200 games as well. Did, did you ever play or, or even score against York City? I wondered whether your paths might have crossed in your playing career? Got my first goal against York City. <laughs> there we go, man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my second game, we actually, went, the, the score, you'll like this one, the score at half time was four each and I'd got a goal in the second half, York City scored again and beat us 5-4. So it was, uh, but I, I kind of remember going home uh, and I, it sounds awful saying this, but not, not disappointed with the result, but happy with myself that I'd scored a first league goal. So it was a, a personal milestone for me, but a disappointment in terms of the result. And and then when I look back, my contact with York City later in life was with people like Barry Swallow, who played in the same game and uh, and, and and was was a centre back, I think, and marked me, and, and that I was involved in that. So yeah, you know, those things link up quite quite nicely in terms of a story. And, and was that that first goal that you scored in your career? Was that at Sinsel Bank, then, or was that at Boven Crescent? Yeah, no, that was at Sinsel Bank. Yeah, that was my my second game, my first game, my debut, which. My family had promised to go to was uh, which were 
turned out to be away at Workington. <laughs> so it was a long, long way from home. But I made my debut the <clears throat> Saturday before. We lost that game 2-1. And you then, am I going to keep my place? But I managed to keep my place in for that game against York City. As I say, played against Barry Swallow, which I reminded of quite, reminded him quite a lot of later on in, in my career for, for whatever reason. But yeah, it was uh, my first sort of moment of excitement of, of getting a goal. But uh, we, we lost the game by, by an odd goal in nine, which was crazy. Bittersweet memory. You, yeah. you followed Graham Taylor to, to Watford firstly as a player and then latterly as a coach. Was was coaching always something that you, you had your eye on doing or was that sort of Graham's influence? It was always something I, I, I was interested in doing. I, I got involved with a club, in, with an under-13s club in Lincoln and uh, and sort of worked, worked away. They, you know, he's trying to do things right, but I'm working with young kids. And, 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 and But they, the guy that ran it was local and the players were local. And, uh, it actually turned out that Gary Crosby, who for, later went on to Nottingham Forest Football Club and played in their first team, was was a member of that little group. So, you know, there, there's nice little contacts. I'm not claiming anything on that, by the way, but because they were, we're talking about young young boys. But it was it enabled me to no, no, learn how to deal with people, learn how to sort of work with people, and 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 make mistakes, I guess, in, in terms of that. But then, yeah, perhaps I could have done this or did that because we trained in midweek as well for a, for a night, and then we played on the Sunday. And so I was that. That's where it all started for me. And I really enjoyed doing that and the, the teaching side of it. So it, and working with say people like Graham. And, and Sam Ellis, who were good, good coaching, good, good. Ex- Sam was our captain at, at the club as well, so they was involved in coaching as well. So it, it rubbed off on, on on me quite quite well, very much. Because a lot of people say, a lot of ex-professional players say, you can never replicate playing, you can never replicate that yeah. buzz. But it sounds like you know, and, and looking at your career, and 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 even when you weren't managing, you were sometimes coaching other clubs. Does, does coaching give you the same buzz that, that playing playing had? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it did. I mean, I, I, I take the point that you can't beat playing because you're you're young, you're vibrant, you're enjoying yourself, and like I say, that 29 goals a season is something people can't take away from 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 my background. But but it, yeah, all the time I was. Uh, I'm trying to plan ahead. It's, I'd wanted to be involved in football pretty much all my life. I did as a kid. Uh, I didn't get in when I was sort of at school age, 16, 17, not till I was, I was near 19 and stuff like that. So I, I did what I call, uh, I did a proper job and, or two and things like that is screen printing and things like that. But football was always something I wanted to do if I got the chance and, and I wasn't going to waste it. And, and I still felt that way as I went into coaching and working and and. and trying to plan ahead and, and push forward. You never know where you're going to finish up when you when you, you complete. I mean, I finished when I was 30, so I was relatively young. I only had like 10 years as a player, but it was like not knowing where your next line's going to be two years prior to that. Where am I going to go? You know, I'd had a... And had a, a, a cartilage operations on both knees and things like that. I had a cruciate ligament go on me. So mm. I'd gone through the ringer a bit. And, but I, you know, you, you work away. The reason I did coaching work as well as managing work, I never had to be a manager. And and you know, I spoke to some guys who said, "No, I've got to manage. I want to be a manager." So, well, you're you're hanging out for just one of ninety-two places in this country, and and even that, you you know, you how you're going to get into the Premier League, the top division, stuff like that. I, I was happy coaching and working with other people. I I did a five-year stint at Wolves as an assistant, as a coach, and things like that. So, you know, I never I never had to be a manager, but I. I did enjoy doing it, and I, I did over seven hundred and fifty odd games as a manager. So, I, you know, that, that was that was that was quite pleased with that kind of record. But coaching players was my my aim and my enjoyment. 
your passion. And uh, let's talk about some of that coaching. Certainly when you when you were at Watford uh, in that sort of first year yeah. under Grant Taylor. I mean, researching it, it, it was just fascinating. I, I mean, it must have been such a joy to be part of. I mean, promotions, finishing second in the old division, division one, yeah. getting to the FA Cup final. And then this incredible... Uh, game in Europe, comeback game against Kaiserslautern in the UEFA Cup. I think you'd gone out there to sort of scout them initially. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you were 3-1 down from the first leg. I think you were decimated with injuries. And I believe you were you were hiding behind advertising hoardings, trying to give instructions to your yeah. young defence. I mean, what, what's your memory? And you, and you did win the game, <laughs> I think, 3-0 and got, went through. What What's your memories of that? Because it looked an incredible sort of time period in Watford's history. It was. I, I made the point in, of saying that after after three years of my coaching career, I should have packed up because I'm not going to make. It's not going to get any better. And I went. I went into Watford as a coach. We had uh, played there for two years, so I knew the players. I knew the setup. I knew obviously Graham and stuff like that. I'd been. But I'd been away at Grimsby for a year as a player. That that, that my injuries caught up with me. I'm afraid on that one. But going back as a coach was fantastic. We we, we finished second uh, in in the the top level league then, as it was League One to to Liverpool. So that put us into Europe the next year like you just talked about where we're suddenly going you know there's games involved that we've never been to before you know Kaiserslautern was our first game uh, and, and yeah, I went out with the secretary. We checked things out, the hotel, the, the playing area. Could we train? Could we, how do we do this? We had no idea how it all worked. So we, we learned a great deal. We lost the first game 3-1 away. They came over to us and I, and I remember them coming up, getting off the coach and they were they were dressed probably like I am now, casually and not smart, not tracksuited, not 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 looking the part. If you and I'm thinking these lads think they've won it, they think they've beaten us, and 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 you, and you kind of go back into the team and throw something different at the team preparing. So tell you what, they've come here, let's get amongst them. And we had a young lad called Ian Richardson, who, like you say, was a a, a big part of. My, I took the reserves at that time. A lot of young boys coming through, people like Nigel Gibson, like that, who are sort of in their teens. And Ian Richardson scored twice on that. Night. And at the point you're saying, I, I we had a problem where one of our full, but our right back on the far side of the pitch was having a bit of a problem. We needed to try and do something, and we couldn't get the the, the, the word across because the crowd were making so much noise. So I just said to Graham, "Jump to go and." Tell him, do you want me to go around and see how I get on? I'm, well, the way I tell it now, I ran the risk of getting sent off myself, I guess, but he kind of think about it. And I went and hid behind the hoarding, shouting at the right back and saying, we get this push up there, try and work at this, and then walking back round. But you can't hide. But I just walked it and got away with it, really. And, and the, the crowd saw it because they were like our local guys and knew us and whatever. But it was, it just came a bit of an incident, something I thought, cracky, I shouldn't have done all that, really. But we did and we managed to win the game and go through and have, a, have another couple of experiences in the in the European League and it was fantastic and and then the third year of my career was the FA Cup final in 84. So those first three years were, you know, you couldn't believe that in a story. So it's, it was fantastic for us, or for me particularly. And, and I just, I used the phrase, I should have packed up there and then because it wasn't going to get any better than that. But it was, it was brilliant. It was, it was a really affectionate. And we, we still have a, a Watford players group now, which I'm, I'm involved with and they we talk to each other and we get uh, so that's still going on from that period of time so it's lived in lived in our memory still and that's that's fantastic did you kind of appreciate it more because because you'd played in the lower leagues with Lincoln and and you know I looked at I think there was one game I watched where Watford had won at Highbury and um, and Luther Blissett I think scored a couple of goals I think you might have won 3-1 and you must kind of 
pinch yourself at, at those sort of moments thinking that, you know, this is an incredible journey. But but like I say, particularly for, for someone like yourself who, who'd played yeah. for Lincoln City most of your career, it, it must have been incredible to go to those grounds like Highbury and win. Yeah, and, and it, it wasn't just me, but it was people like, like Luther Blissett had gone through the whole, he, he started at the club when, it, when they were in the League Four. So he'd gone right through the leagues with it. We, we, we bought players... And we, we we didn't have loads of money to go and do things with and and, and compete, but basically with, with with big boys. So we were getting boys from Notts County and players like that. People are reliable senior players, maybe. But like Luther Blissett was a young player when Graham first went in, and and went through the the, the leagues and played for England. Got a hat trick for England at Wembley, which cracky. You know, you're talking about my first three years. I I actually saw him do that. I went to Wembley that night, saw him do it, and I I was as excited as he was. So there. There's a lot of stories within the, the main story of the football club doing things. And Ross Jenkins, I think, the striker. I, when I went there, I was like the understudy. I only played 20 games in two years, but I loved it because it was like League One for me. It was as if the, the championship now as it is. And I never got to that level playing at Lincoln. But but they they went right through the fourth, third, second, first division, right to the sort of top level that I'm, t- I'm chatting to you about. So it was, it, it, was, it was a lot of big stories going on there at the time. But there was a lot of people that were then and still are now down to earth about how it all went about, that it was purely hard work and we, we worked hard and, and got some rewards for it, which was brilliant. It's funny you mentioned that when you when you said you're an understudy because I, I read that uh, yeah. I think an interview you'd done with a Watford um, paper or something like that and you said that they used to call you they thought your first name was to travel because you used to be to travel ward <laughs> yeah. on the team sheet. Yeah. yeah, there was, there was not, not lots of substitutes <laughs> or things like that those days. So I, yeah, and, and you know what? There, there are 32 steps from the bottom of, of, of what to get up to the bus to, that was going away and to get down when you're coming back. So I, I used to walk up pull the skips up those 32 steps before we got on the bus going off to Newport or wherever we were playing and then taking them back when we got back. Everyone else was driving past, tooting their horns and waving to me. I'm taking the skips down 32 steps into the the, the, the washroom and everything else. But you know what? I enjoyed it and I, and I was part of that group. It, it was no kind of punishment or no kind of... I was going to games where I was learning still at the age of 28 and watching players that I work with every day and supporting them. And and I got I got 20 games out of it myself in two years. So I, I look back at that and think, you know, what you did all right there. And, and, mm. and I got six goals in 20 games. So it, it's for me, it was a big part of my career still being able to play at the level, not the top one, not, the, not the, the, the top league, but getting getting goals in the championship for me was it was as exciting as the, the 90 odd I got at Lincoln City in the lower league. So, yeah, yeah. respect it big time. And, and I'll move on from Watford soon because I know York City fans will be listening to this thing, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> yeah, sorry, when's he going to get on to a bit, bit about York City? But but I recently interviewed uh, Brian Pollard, who I think was an ex-teammate yeah. of yours. He was a yeah. York City legend and he yeah. played in the late 70s with Watford. And he spoke with such warmth about the community feel of yeah. Watford and Elton John as well as a, as a chairman. Mm. Who, obviously, I always knew was chairman of Watford um, for years, but I didn't quite know how sort of hands-on he was involved and how much he kind of knew about football. And I believe you often used to eat sort of fish and chips with him in the boardroom after the game. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we, we when it all sort of first started, if you like, or was, was pushing on, Elton, the story, we were all sat on the bench. I think we have, can't remember who we were playing now, but Elton came and sat on the bench. And then it is, you know, not not in a nice suit and tie. You know how he would dress some days, still dressed like that when he came to the club. And Graham said, oh, I've got to do with the chairman. He's sat on the bench. So you need to try and move him. That is, 
So we, he did. He just he asked him at half time, please don't come back. And Elton was brilliant. He, you know, he took it really well. But we were thinking, what's he going to do? Because it's his club and he's brought us here and we've done this. But he, he understood that as well. And, and that was kind of a, a, a funny thing. That Graham was a very solid football guy that we can't can't have you sat there. You've got to watch from upstairs and we'll come and talk to you. But he and the chairman were very close. And uh, and the, the chairman was, I'd say, before games, we, we i got three young children. Obviously, they're older now and grown up. But we take my Steve Harrison, the coach, has two young children. Tom Wally had two young children. So we... We were encouraged to bring them to the games and our wives bring them and they could go into the, the, the boardroom after the game. There's another room, family room for them, but after the game, they could come in the boardroom. And and that was whatever other other managers or other football club directors thought. This was part, this was what our football club was about. And you know, that it was a family club. And some some would go off straight away because the kids are running about and what have you. And you say, oh, say something. No, Graham and Graham and Elton would both say, no, fine, the kids are fine, leave them, let them let them have a bit of bit of time. So they've been sat up there watching the game. And and that was how it was. It and then you know we'd, we'd sit there and you suddenly get to like seven o'clock and someone say, well, fish and chips, yeah, let's get some and off they go, fish and chips had come back and we'd sit around the boardroom table with the kids and, and you know, we had a couple of them falling asleep or whatever and they'd say, yeah, they're fine, leave them. And sometimes it'd be 8.30, 9 o'clock when we'd, we'd all go home from a game we'd been involved in from about 11 o'clock in the morning. And just, it, but it, it made people like, like my wife, Ali, who followed the foot, likes football anyway, but was part of what we were all doing. They weren't. They weren't outside of it, and and all the families and the ladies we were, were fine. And, and even before FA Cup games, we we would have staff get-togethers with with our, our our partners, our wives, and stuff like that. And we we'd go to different different houses, my house, Graham's house, or whatever, on the night before. And if there's a cup tie on, and we'd yeah, we'd sit and we'd have a you know we'd have a, have a meal. Sometimes we'd have a fancy dress. Sometimes it was it was fun, you know. And it sounds a bit silly talking about your fancy dress the night before an FA Cup tie. Yeah, we did that. And but then we'd be a bump. We'd back in and we'd back there and getting the game sorted out and so on and so on. And we even did it the night before the FA Cup final. We were in a hotel and our, our wives came in to, to, to have dinner. We didn't dress up that night, but they came in to have, have, have a meal with us. And I think they'd left by sort of half nine, ten o'clock. But we we kept that thing right through to going to Wembley the next day and if people people listening to this think, oh, that was crazy you shouldn't do that but we did and that's what we were and that's what we all respected and, and, and worked really really hard to achieve and, and keep it going basically and, and you followed Graham Taylor to Aston Villa and you yeah. had a role under him at, with England as well I mean, his achievements in the game were absolutely incredible. Pro- probably much more than I realised until I was sort of researching this this interview. D- do you think he didn't quite get the respect he deserved? I mean, perhaps because of England and, you know, that impossible job documentary that was out. But yeah. Gaza and, and Alan Shearer, who were probably two of England's best players at the time, were, were very rarely fit in, in his kind of um, mm. tenure with England. Uh, or 100% fit. And, and frankly, the, the Holland game, England were cheated out of it. I mean, he was hounded by the media, wasn't he? I don't think that would happen uh, in today's game. I know like Gareth Southgate sometimes get criticism, but not at the level like Graham got with the turnip and all that sort of stuff. I yeah. mean, that must have been hard for you as a close friend of his to see him kind of go through that at the time. It was, because I, I, I wasn't there with him when those sort of things happened. I, I did a bit with the under-21s and I did one game when he was a man short and I helped out and went uh, went, went across to the game with him. But I think, and I, I say this as a, as, a, as a great friend of his, he, he made one or two errors that he was a bit embarrassed about. You can imagine his language and things like that. But they, when they came over, I mean, we... 
it happened in football, but when it comes out on a TV screen, you think, oh, that's yeah. not right. But I deserve it. He was not deserving of the, some of the, the, the information on some of the stuff that came out. And I, I remember bringing uh, his family up one day. They, we, we, we'd driven my wife and I come past his house and there was police people outside. I was in police on duty with press. Trying, and, I, and I rang them and said, do you want me to come over? Because Graham wasn't there. Graham was away on duty. And I, and, and, but they were hounding his family house at the same time and knowing that he wasn't there. And I rang and asked uh, the family, do you want me to come over and, and, and just be there? You know, because I knew Graham was away. And, and so, so you think, well, that, that shouldn't happen. That, that just shouldn't happen in any walk of life and, and what mm. have you. But, but it, it did. And yeah, I think there was a lot going on with him, I'm, I'm afraid. But yeah, I think there's there's one or two bits as well. Bless him that I pretty probably regretted a wee bit too. In 1991, you decided to become a manager and uh, yeah. started at, at York City, uh, coming and managing your own right. Given those kind of wonderful experiences we just talked about there with Watford and uh, Villa and, and England, there must have been a real temptation just to remain as a coach. I mean, it, was it was it a burning desire of yours to become a manager in, in your own right? No, not a burning desire. And, and even that never continued throughout my sort of management career. I was happy to be a coach at places and things like that. I just wanted to be involved in the game. So I didn't have to be. I, I've come across people in, in the game who had to be managers, like I've said earlier, but I didn't have to do that. But it got to the point where... Now's, now I've got to try that and see how I get. And I was, I've done 10 years as a coach uh, and, and working with, with different people and, and particularly Graham and what have you. And it was now it was sort of my turn to have a go. And I was applying for jobs as managers and, and this one came back. There, there is a story and I, I don't know if it's true or not because Graham never told me, but there's a story that he put my name, got my, I, I applied for it myself, but he put my name forward and I did put him down as a, as a, as a, as a someone to talk to if they wanted to. And anyway, I, I got the job, whether he spoke about it or not, and, and I learned so much in terms of that. When I, you know, when you think you've made it a little bit, I think, okay, I'll, I'll be all right. Now I've done ten years of this, and ten, I'm suddenly sat in an office on my own uh, with no windows, I can't see out, and, and just thinking, wow, what, what happens now? So every time someone knocks on the door, I never quite know who it is or what it is or what's going to, what I've got to deal with, and and I'm I'm on a brand new learning curve that I'm now the guy in charge. I'm making decisions, not suggestions. Which I, you know, you do as a coach, you suggest things to the manager, he makes the decision. And that was my position. And, and I was working with just two or three other guys on the coaching side and the physio side, with physio and a couple of coaches. And, and but off I go, you know, so, you know, and I'd get my chairman visiting quite regularly and stuff like that. So, crack, you've never really been through that. I'm learning now on the job in a different, in a different light. But at least he didn't sit on the bench, I guess. <laughs> no, no, he didn't, but I can still hear him. Yeah. <laughs> I can still yeah, hear him. Definitely. There, I, me- I remember going to reserve games and I would hear him. Well, whilst I love York City, fourth bottom of the old fourth division was hardly an attractive proposition. Did, did you sort of see potential of what you could do and, and maybe sort of thinking about your experience with, with Lincoln as a player, thinking similar size club, uh, similar sort of level of support, if we can get this place going, you know, it's got potential? No, and I have to answer no to that because it, I, I'd got I, what I'd done throughout my ten-year career. I've made notes. I've got books that big and that thick of working jobs and games and training sessions and things that had happened, meeting people and what have you. And and I and I went right. I've got to do this. And I made a mistake. I went into I went into York thinking I'm going into like Watford. This is what I'm going to do. The same things. We're going to do things together. We're going to do all this. We're going to and I and I, and I went, right. I'm going to run the London Marathon. And this is when I'm, I'm 40 years old now. And and, I'm, and I've got involved in running the London Marathon. I'm going to raise money for the club for a family enclosure for the for the club. And whilst it was a good thing to do, I shouldn't have done it simply because I. 
it taken away some of my attention to the first team and the, and the club itself. Because you know, uh, to go in a London marathon, you can't just say, I'm going to do it, and then the next day you go and do it. So I had to go running. I, was, I think I got up to 14 miles when I was doing my practice runs, and I did quite a number of those while I'm manager of York City. So I'm going off at night, going off on Sundays, whatever it is. And I look back at that, I got that wrong. And because the, the results didn't go with, with what I was trying to do, we didn't get the right results. And I remember sitting downstairs at the club when there's a board meeting up top and uh, and I'm, I'm sat with the club secretary and I'm sitting there talking to him and I'm thinking, this isn't working. This, what do you think? And he, he, he then when he went up to the meeting and he came back down and he said, the board want to see you now. So I'm, I don't sound very good. And he went, you'll be all right. And, and he just put that into me before he took me up there, just because we'd got on well together. And, and I went up and they, they said, look, we appreciate what you've done. Because when I, when I, when we got the money towards the family enclosure, the club paid just the equal amount. So there was a bit of togetherness in that as well. And as I look back on it, I think probably the chairman helped me there and, and Barry Swallow helped me there and because I got on well with Barry and stuff like that as well as an ex-player. And So I think I got a decision that went in my favour right at the beginning of my career. And I said, right, I'm going to have no other... No other situations going on apart from the team here. I've got to get through my pre-season. I've got to get some players signed. I've got to get this done. And, and, and it happened. It worked out okay for me in the end. But I, I look back on that thinking, crikey, I could have, my career could have started and stopped within eight months of the, those situations. But people within the football club backed me up and I respect that massively. It's interesting because you've answered a lot of my next set of questions, actually, and I've okay. got it written down about a London marathon. And I yeah. wondered whether that whether that was because off the pitch was as, as important to you as on it and almost trying to replicate that that kind of community feel that you, yeah. you'd experienced at Watford and Lincoln. Is that what was the yeah. driving force behind that? Even if you look back now and think, I, I probably shouldn't have done it. Yeah, it, yeah absolutely. And, and Because I, I thought the Watford thing was great. And, I, and and Watford had started in a similar position, if you like, you know, fourth division, lower down, mm. get, what can we do? But obviously the, every, the, the, the thing is, I'm not going to get praise for running the London Marathon if the team don't improve and get promoted or whatever. And and I, I got that wrong. And I, I've said this before, but I, I should have put my, my whole thing into the football. That can come later, the running the London Marathon or raising money or doing something else when when you're in a good position on the, on the pitch or within the football club results. And I got it the wrong way around. But I made the decision in the summer to go, right, I've got to get this right. And and. I, and I had a chance to go bring in some players in and move, not moving too much about, but rearranging and making sure my pre-season was spot on. And luckily it worked because we had a really good start to the season. We'll come on to that very, very soon. Did, did, just going back slightly, when you yeah. first sort of started at York City, did, did you find it difficult to, you know, because because you'd, you'd come from kind of almost you'd seen the riches of, of Watford and the Europe and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. You know, I looked at some of the players that you coach, you know, Tony Daly, Paul McGrath, John Barnes, yeah. David Platt, worked with Alan Shearer of England. Was was it harder to sort of go back down to that level and, and work with players that, that clearly weren't on that, that level in terms of ability? No. Because no, and I say that straight away. Because now I'm a Lincoln boy, and I I used to go down on my bike to watch Lincoln City training when I was a kid and school holidays and things like that. And so no, I, I I'd like to think I've kept my feet on the floor. Those things, mm. those things that I said when I went to Watford and those three things happened, those three years happened. I said I should have packed up there. It's not going to get any better. Yeah, but I, I worked at that. I'd worked hard for that 
previously and a, and I gave up a good job when I was 19 to go and play for Lincoln City because I wanted to be involved in football I wanted to do it and, and that I never lost that feel so I was never I never sort of thought I thought right I've got to do my best job here and I like I said I got that wrong with the first part of it but I'd like to think I got it right with the second season signing my players getting the thing right getting the organisation right because that to do 760 games that's what I was quite good at I thought of organising setting things getting but I had a good a good teacher in Graham Taylor to, to push me on to those sort of things and I, I got it wrong and then I, I'd like to think I got it right because there was a nucleus of a really good squad there wasn't it when yeah. I think about it you know Dean Kiley Andy yeah. McMillan good Wayne players. Hall Paul Stancliffe was a credible player and leader Nigel Pepper great yeah. steel in midfield John McCarthy was you know my all-time favorite player yeah. John was um, but given player, the yeah. league position because I think you took over at fourth bottom and, and the club ended the season fourth bottom there must have been a little bit of a temptation or, or certainly some managers would have ripped that side completely up but but you kind of you know only brought in, yeah. a, in, a, in a few signings was that because you you saw the potential in that team and you kind of believed in what what they were what they could could do yeah, it was. And, and I, like I've said before, I won't go back on it all now, but I kind of blame myself a little bit for that, for not giving it the attention that I could have done and probably should have done. And, and like I say, when you wrote, I, I wrote those names down here myself, and you think, cracky, there's some good players there. And, and some, like, who went on to, like Dean Kiley, who's still working in the game, fantastic. John McCarthy, we, we sold on. Nigel Pepper, who we got organised and got together. Ray Warburton, Steve Tutto, Paul Atkin, and, and the Wayne Hall at left back was a good left back. And we, we just needed to organise. I, I, in my view, get it organised and get it together. We've got, we've got real good attributes in, in these guys and, and we, we, we can we can get them together. You know, we've got Ian Blackstone, who we got out of non-league and, and with great respect to him, he became a really good substitute in that team, in that successful team because he could, he could come on and still push us forward because he had this running ability and this power about him where we'd play forward and he would take any pressure off the game. If you're winning 1-0, how do you make sure you win 1-0 or can you get it to 2-0 or do you hold back or do you go defensive? With someone like Blackie, we could go forward and and, and keep working and, and, and good senior players, like you said, like Paul Stancliffe and Gary Swan, midfield player who knew the game and and in some ways didn't just needed my encouragement rather than my my information, if you like. To, to yeah. they could pass that on to other people, and and then then I think that then we had the chance to make some signings, and uh, the, the the big one for the club. I don't know if it's still a record. Is it Paul Barnes? Is it still fifty grand? It's, uh, no, I think Adrian Randall a few years later, go, okay. but it was a lot uh, of money, wasn't it? And, and I was got, I, that was one of the questions I've got here. Yeah, you know, what was your relationship like with Douglas Craig, and how did you persuade him? Because he didn't he didn't spend money readily. I don't think. I think many no. options would agree. How did you? get him to part with that amount of money for someone like Paul Bands and I think you tried to get Paul quite a few times didn't you yeah I did yeah I'd I'd watched Paul about seven times for Stoke City Reserves and I think every time I'm coming away I think he's not bad and he's good I've got to get him I've got to try and get him and we had we got the opportunity and I The chairman's on holiday. I think he's. I think he's actually on a ship in the West Indies, you know. And I'm thinking I can get this boy. And I'd done all the work with Lou Macari, manager of Stoke City at the time, and we got him. And I've talked to Paul. I've been able to do that. He wants to come. I need to get fifty thousand quid. Well, you know, York City, fifty grand. I'm not a fool. That was going to be really, really difficult. But I'd got the support, and I needed to get the chairman. But he wasn't with me. He wasn't next door, or down the road, or in his house. And and I finished. I rang the shipping company. And I got a number to, to ring the ship 
And, and it's, it's crazy, sounds crazy, really. And I got him out of bed at about half five, six o'clock in the morning. And I can't repeat what he did say initially, but he agreed that we could go and get on and do it. And he just said, don't ring me again. I'm on holiday. And I, and I just went, thanks very much. Put the phone down. And again, I'm, 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 sat, I'm sat across the, 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 the corridor there and, uh, and I'm, I'm, we, can, we can go and get this done. And it was difficult because it, Lou Macari, Lou Macari and I was sort of, we got on all right, no problem, but he was trying to get the deal done, like all deals and stuff like that. And we got Paul, but I wanted Paul. I knew Paul could make a big difference to the team and could could, could get his goals, which he did and went on. And we, I signed him later when I went, was, was working coach at Burnley. So it was like, I, I knew about him, but he made a big difference. The other guy that won't probably get the same credit is John Borthwick, who knew the level, knew the leagues, knew how to play, knew how to be a number nine. Whereas Barnsley was probably more of a, a, a runner and eight could go into position, but John could lead a line. And 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 that for me, that those two signings were were the ones to me that made us a better team. That allowed Blackie Ian Blackson to be like the good substitute that I'm talking. I know he. Well, I don't want to be substitute. I want to play, but he played a big, big part in that successful season, and and that was that was really important. So, like I said, getting my mind back on, if you like, get on the football club and getting my signings right and getting that big one through at Barnes was 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 really important for us. It was a good job then that Stoke didn't say, right, we, at the last minute we want an extra 10 grand and you had to ring Douglas Craig up again. <laughs> it might never have happened. Yeah, I'd have chased the other directors. I'd have chased Barry Swallow. He might have helped me out with that one a little bit. But yeah, it, it, to be fair, Lou, Lou was fine. I think Lou was, was involved in a in a court case at the time. I don't even know if it was him or not, but he was something mm-hmm. else. But, but so I, I was going to pick a time where I could catch up with him. But he was great. He was very, very good, very respectful. And Barnes, because I've been able to get to Barnes, he wanted to come because he knew he was going to play. You know, he said he was all right scoring goals in Stoke Reserves, but I want to play. I want to make a, a point. And, and he went on to have a really, really good mm-hmm. career, didn't he? And as uh, you know, pleased with what he did for, for, for York City. And I think he was 25 at the time, wasn't he, Paul Barnes? So he, he yeah. was desperate to kind of yeah. make that that kind of leap, wasn't he? Like, like yeah. you know, that was the time for him. You know, it was now or never for him to, yeah. to go and start playing regularly. I mean, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, again, sort of just before we start going into the 92-93 season. That That's right. You, when you started at York City, you know, you didn't bring anyone with you. You know, a lot of a lot of managers sort of bring people that they know. And, and yeah. um, you were in there with, with Alan Little. And, and I wondered, yeah. you know, what was your impressions of Alan? And, and what was your relationship like with him when you went into York City? Okay, well, first of all, I wasn't able to bring anybody in. I wasn't. I, I, I did ask. I wasn't on a contract. It was there's your job. This is it, and that was the chairman's view to all. I had an interview. This is what it is. This is how much you get a week. There's no contracts. I'm not offering contracts. Um, not bringing anybody in. You've got to come and get on with the job yourself. Right, right, okay. So that was a Sunday. I went home. I drove home. Two hours later, the phone rang and, I, and he gave me the job. And, and I took it and got on with it. I remember going up on the following, that was on a Friday, I think. I remember going up on the, the Monday sitting in the, uh, we went sat in the boot room because we could. There was plenty of room for it because there wasn't enough of us. I think Ricky was Ricky was taking the, the youngsters and we, Jeff and the, the physio and Alan and I had just had a meeting. We were going off to Burnley prior to the game. They'd pick the team. It was, it was a Tuesday night and stuff like that. So it was, wow, we've just got, we've got to get on with it. But I wanted to coach and I've done a lot of coaching work, as I say, at Watford and Aston Villa and things like that. But this was now my coaching as a manager. My, this was me making the big influences. It wasn't me. It wasn't Grand or someone saying to me, just take him, take him for shooting for half an hour, Wardy, and then bring him back. It was me saying... 
shooting's fine, but that's another day. I've got to get a team sorted and organised. And, and we did a lot of work together. The lads, the staff were brilliant. They understood it. They worked with me. Um, they worked together. Like, you know, as we got, like I said, Jeff, the physio was just like, he'd got everybody to look after with the knocks and bumps and bruises. And we'd have meetings every morning. We'd organise the day. We'd, we'd, we had to clear some messes off the training pitch sometimes because it was, it, it was public areas. We had to, take things through we had to drive the players on a on a minibus through the town and, and 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 instead of making that a tough thing we made that an enjoyable thing you know right let's get on the bus come out everybody on the bus last man on the bus has got to stand up no seats this something like that we had kit on the top i remember the footballs all blew off one day and we're on the, we're on the motorway and our crew had to pull up and collect the kit off and but the players mucked in with that it wasn't it didn't become a chore that became something they looked forward to doing and we tried to make the training the same, and between us all, the, the, the coaching side of it, we, we we managed to do that. I think players enjoyed the, the day at the club, not just the, the, the training session or getting rid of things going on, which we not just me, but we 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 worked out and planned together. Yeah, and and, and just go back to, to Alan Little and it, yeah, because he he was obviously assistant manager brought in by by John Bird and was part of that team. Was there ever sort of was that ever awkward because he he'd been part of the previous regime or was that something that that you no, kind of no that that happens in football doesn't it you yeah. know and I, I like I said I, I I wasn't in that moment I came in with no contract everything else just and I, I was not I wasn't in a strong position to make big changes or anything like that and and the club wasn't the club wasn't in that position to make big changes or with people or whatever plus. I'd been at clubs as a coach where different managers had come in and made decisions and and and, and I just think you why would I sack somebody not, not just talking about Alan but why would I just sack somebody when I don't know him when I don't mm. know how, how it works and, and football people chop and change quite quite readily and and I and I sat because before we went off to the game I sat him in the boot room I think it was just Jeff and Alan really and we sat there and we just said right this is me I've got I'm not changing things let's get on with it can we work together I want to try and work with you too you work with me and we'll be mm. fine. The, Let's work. And so we'll have meetings each morning. So you can tell me about any injuries, Jeff. You can tell me about possibilities of training. Alan, we'll talk about how we're going to do the coaching day, what we're going to work at it. And you, I, don't, I want you to be involved in it as much as me. I don't want to, I don't want to do everything and you just carry the footballs. Let's be together. And that's, that's how I, I work wherever I went as a, as, a, as a manager and talk to people. Let, let's do it. Yeah, I made some changes later on at different clubs, but I'd given people the opportunity in the first place. These lads were terrific, and 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 I was really pleased when, when I did leave, that Alan took it on and got the, got the promotion that the, the club wanted, and and that's mm. uh, and that. And I was I was at Wembley to see it, so I was really pleased for him. Now, 92, 93, like we said, you know, a fantastic season for York City. Yeah. It started off with four straight wins. Paul Barnes got up and running with a goal on the yep. opening day against Rosebury. I think you were manager of a month as well. Did, did you feel like it was a side capable of promotion at that time, at that stage? Or did you just think, oh, this is a good start. Let's see how it, it kind of pans out. I think that bit, that's a good start. Let's see how it works because I've got another 40-odd to play yet and <laughs> some cup ties and stuff like that. Let's see how we go. And it was also a different proposition to the previous year, the, the bit when I, you know, when I talked about where we, we didn't get it right and we finished in that bottom four position. So it was a question of, right, let's go on, let's see how we can do it. I remember going through, I got manager of the month for the second month as well. And we went through a period of, I think, six games without a win, but they were all drawn, if, that, if I remember that correctly. Yeah, and, and I, it, it was nine without a win 
including six straight draws in, in December, January, yeah. And, yeah. and then you beat Lincoln, which looks yeah. quite poignant. And, and I've got a question there. Were you quite worried? Because I think we'd drawn three all at, at Cardiff as well. So even when, when the team scored three, we still weren't able to get a result. Yes, I was I was concerned about that. When you At the same time, I'm recognising you're not going to win every game. You know, you, you, but we, we, we'd had a great spell of wins and that put us in a strong position. And I remember going through those six six games with, and, and thinking, what can I do? What am, I, am I doing this right? Have I got this right? Do I need to check? And I've made an odd change here and there and whatever you just but we didn't have a big squad, as you know. And I remember ringing Bobby Gould. Bobby Gould was manager at West Bromwich Albion, and I'd come across Bobby and found him as a decent man. And I just rang him up and said, "Look, I've got this. I've got a problem." He says, "You haven't, you haven't got a problem." I won't, I won't put the other words in, but he said, "You haven't got a problem, Wardy. Look at you." I said, "No." I said, just, "We just had six draws." I said, "I've done the winnings. We've done that. I said, "They've done ever so well." Now we, we look like we can't win, but we've, we're not losing either. Have you got anything you can help me with? And and he, and he just said, "Yeah." Are you picking your best team? And I went, I'm trying to. Have you made changes? Yeah, I've made one or two. Pick your best team. Sort out your best team. Do you know what it is? And I went, yeah, I think so. Pick your best team and stick with it. They'll be all right for you. Because that's what you've been doing when you win. You don't even think about it. You just go, whoop, same team, off you go. Mm. Boom. And I went, and you know what? Sometimes in life, the simplest things <laughs> you can miss. And, you, you, and, and, and it came out and I went, I put the phone on why didn't I know that? And because I'm wrapped up in the whole thing, why didn't I come up with that? And, and you need that. You need someone else to tell you, just have a think of that and stick with it. Nothing complicated, nothing clever. And and I tried to do what what, what we talked about. And, and all the players I've interviewed from my ear, and I've, and I've interviewed a fair amount of them, to be honest, to talk about the sort of quality of coaching and, and the tactics mm. that you kind of um, employed in, in that era. What was your sort of early coaching philosophy? What what things did did you get the team to work on when you you know you said you sat with Alan and you decide yes. what, what you were going to do with training drills? What what were the things that, that were really important to you in those early days? I think the, the fun side of it, if you like, is crossing, shooting and things like that. But the, for me, the organisation was what we'd done for days and days and days at Watford was team organisation. And I said that to the lads, we're going to do some, we're going to do team. I said, I'll do crossing, I'll do shooting, I don't mind that. I said, I want to do team organisation. We've got to do it. We've got to get it organised. We've got to give people. And I said, if you've got questions, ask me. I want it to be open. You know, I said, if you, you know, if you want to sort of discuss it, we'll, we'll sit and talk about it. Knowing really that players might not do that, but they, you know, so, so the odd one or two, Stan, Stan Cliff would do. And, well, I'm not sure about that, Gaffer. Right, okay, let's what's what, Stan? Let's discuss it. And, and as long as it's done in that way, I don't mind. And that's that's what we did, right? This is the team. You know, that Nigel Pepper was a good midfield player, but he got better when he he was in an organised. Yes, you can go forward, Pep, but you, but look look at look who you've got next. You've got Gary Swan. If he sits, you go. If you go, he sits, and you two work together. And Swan, he go, yeah, I've done that all my life, sort of thing. But and that's what I do as a midfield player. I'll do that for you. And and it was like Blackie, well, you do it, but yeah, well, you come on, you make a big difference to the team when you come on here. And I said, if you do that for us, brilliant. So, but and yes, I'm not I'm not going to not pick you, but if at the moment, look, you know, I've got. Barnsley now and everything's going well and there was a respect within the group of, of, of each other and I think that was really important and uh, for, for, for us to to get that and that's what we kept we we had fun things as well we did we, we had a you know a few cracks different this I remember we, we took the we took the minibus down a one-way street the wrong way one day and 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 we we think oh quote Keith Ushie said do you mind if I do this and do that I went yeah let's do it so we we called a meeting at two o'clock for everybody and, and 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 Keith, who knew people on the police force, 
brought we brought a policeman in who said, Well, we've had reports that your minibus has been on. They're all gone, oh no. Like and 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 in the end it was a it was a bit of fun and a bit of joke. And, and it was a policeman friend of Keith's. And those sort of things responded well within within the group, but the respect was 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 there, and that was the big thing that I'm I'm trying to get to. That yeah, we had fun, but we had respect of each other, and that made us better as a group of people. Because there were some characters in there as well, weren't there? Like Nigel yeah. Pepper and Tony Canham, I think, were, were yeah. kind of the jokers of that side, weren't they? Yeah, good good fun, but no, nothing unpleasant. You know, nothing nasty, nothing nothing that turned people against you. You know, I've seen that happen sometimes. You, go, you can't do that. You've got, you got to... But they, uh, these lads, we... Yeah, we had good good time. We we organised Christmas and things like that. What we we bought a present for each other at Christmas and things like that. And they were part of that. You know, it was it was you know companies do it, don't they? You know, I'd buy you a present, but you wouldn't know I bought it. You know, oh yeah, there's yours. And you know, yeah. well, that's all that. <laughs> yeah, I've done. And that these lads enjoyed that, but we had big respect for each other whilst doing it. And it, it was just part of the getting together and then Saturday the, the team became there and that's what we were at it together yes we'd make some mistakes yes but when we enjoyed things when we got things right when we helped each other great loved it they enjoyed it and they they got they got a big reward at the end of that season one, one of the Saturdays that, that they were at it was against Scumthorpe I, I wondered what your take was on this game when they won 5-1 it was a game that was like a snowstorm Paul Bound scored yeah. four goals there was an orange ball in there, which again, these sort of games yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't happen these days, would they? Yeah. I mean, you've worked with a lot of strikers in your time, some really, really top strikers. How good was Paul Barnes? You know, what, what was he like to work with? Really good to work with and, and good, good as a player and good, good as a person. And I think that's the big thing. They've got, to, they've got to be the right person as well as becoming the player. You know, if he, if he gets carried away with, with the hard work side of it, which he's got to be for everybody, then, you know, we, we, you're, you're going to lose some of it. But I'd seen Paul, as I say before, and I thought he, he scores, he gets goals, this lad. And I remember a bit later on, I took him to, to Burnley and I got his Burnley to sign him. I was a coach and said, you need a strike. And he came and he'd, he went three or four games without a goal. So people were... Oh. And I'm thinking, oh, come on, Barney, come on. And he, then he suddenly played, yeah, then he suddenly come and got got five. And he went, oh, one, two, three. Like that. And then he got four. And then he was, he was doing that to the crowd. And because I'm sitting back on the bench going, yes, good lad. So he, he got like a goal a game at the end of it, where the previous four games he hadn't scored and questions, of, you know, question marks are being thrown at him. And, and I went, he'll be all right. He'll be okay, this boy. And and that that's what he was. He was that type of person. He Took a lot to knock him back. He, he would he would bounce back quickly and come through and yeah, liked him a lot. And and of course, Bristol Rovers came in for you at a, quite a significant yeah. time in the season, yeah. offering you I think I think a quarter of a million pound contract, which which I guess <laughs> would have been really tough for you to turn down for you and your family. How difficult was that decision? Because it must have been a temptation, despite you know, and yeah. I think you've said before that money isn't isn't your motivation in football at all. But it must have been sort of really tempting to sort of stay with York City. You know, you built that club up in, in quite yeah. a short amount of time, really. We talk about, you know, th- this was your, you know, only, only your second season at the club yeah. and it had gone yeah. from being fourth bottom to right near the top of the table. You know, were you tempted to stay and did, did Douglas Craig make you a counter offer? Would that have worked? You know, talk talk us through that that kind of time period. Okay. Yeah, the first time they came in, I I, I said no. So they've been in twice and I said no, I'm fine here, thank you. And and the chairman did give me an increase. But I, I, I asked him then 
what about a contract? If you give me a contract, Chairman, that's fine. Just then the whole thing's finished and done with, and you know, you say so you you come out of it looking well, and I'm fine. And, I'm, and that wasn't about the money; that was just about the contract side of it. The, Sorry, so at always, you still work on a contract. So I, I thought when no, you said that before that that was just no, your initial sort of couple of months no, at York City. No, no even that no, time I, when Bristol Rovers came, you didn't have a contract. No, didn't have a contract, and and the uh, never had a contract all the time I was there. And I just said to him, this was. Because this has been part of my upbringing as a, as a player and stuff like contracts and you know, a bit of. I said, look, I'm married, three kids, got a mortgage, I've got same as lots of lots of people, and and you can sack me tomorrow and give me nothing, and, and off I go, and I'm I'm, I'm on my own again. And I said, no, that's fine. I said, but and he, he offered me an increase, but not a contract. And I went, fine, okay, but that's okay, I'll take it. They came back a couple of months later, probably or something like that, and, and made made me they made me another offer, which was was three year contract, and that it was that. More than I'm sure it wasn't a quarter of a million quid, like you're saying, but that's been well, that was even impressive at the time. So. Yeah, well, that makes a good story. It's a round figure, isn't it? Yeah. So, but he then invited me to his house Sunday dinner, me and Ali, my wife, and we stayed over on the can't remember the game the day before. When next day we've gone, gone around to the chairman's house and knocked on his door, nice house, and he's opened the door and he's gone, Well, am I going to invite you in? And I went, Well, you've invited us here in the first place, chairman. I said, well, I hope you are. And he said, well, are you staying or are you going? I said, well, that's what we're here to talk about. And, and, and that's, you know, that, that was his sort of, I was stood at the door. I think, well, I shut the door. I'm going back. I'm going back to the Midlands if you could. And shut the door on me and my wife. But he didn't. We went in and we chatted. It was just his way of being mm. jokey about it. I got on fine with him, by the way. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. My stories about him. He was a different kind of guy that I'd worked with before, but he was my chairman, obviously. And he made me, he made me an offer, but no contract. And, and that was my biggest bugbear really mm. and my biggest problem and in the end I thought about it all for a week and we're playing away at Barnet and I, mm. I and I thought I've got to make the decision because they're travelling Friday and and I, and I did on the Thursday I said no I'm, I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to go to down there I've got to go to Bristol so it's, I'm sorry but I'm, and that was okay and I'd gone into the club I'd gone to see the players I'd gone to see everybody and, and I thought everything's fine and then suddenly he came back and he went no I had these big pieces of paper put them down in front of me and I went what's that he said it's a court injunction because he was a magistrate wasn't he mm. did you know that he was a magistrate yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he took a court injunction out on me he changed his jobs and I said well you can't do that I said I've got no contract he said no you have you've got a contract because you've I said yeah but um, you know, it's, it's, it's my job and in the end I think he got 10 grand uh, out of Bristol and Bristol Rovers and I went home on I went home on the Friday and uh, it got to three o'clock on the Saturday afternoon when I'd arranged to go to Bristol Rovers and I'm going to take my dog for a walk because I, I rung the League Managers Association and they went, John, you can't go, you can't do that. I said, well, he's actually threatened to send me to prison. Well, the, the threat on the thing says that. They said, if I, if I do this, that's, that's why you can't go. I said, but surely, you know, I said, I've never been threatened with prison in my life. I'm you know, just changing a job. And, and, they, and they said, no, you can't go until we get it organised. So I couldn't go to Bristol and I couldn't go to Barnet, was it? It was Barnet, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. The team went and so I took the dog for a walk at three o'clock, so right I'm out of the way and just went went off and walked the dog. And in the end they just they think I think the club paid ten thousand pounds for me and, and I went to join them. But it was that uh, that, that that annoyed me a bit. But then I understand it more now as I've got older and yeah. a bit wiser and go, okay, yeah, I see what he's done. 
I was going to say, did that leave a bit of a sour taste? Because because effectively, it sounds like you wanted to stay. You just wanted the contract and, yeah. and you would have signed it, even if it was less than what Bristol Rovers were offering you. But it was that kind of stubbornness from, from Douglas that prevented you from staying and almost effectively yeah. sort of forced you to, to kind of speak to Bristol Rovers. But it must have been quite flattering that, that Bristol Rovers were courting you. They kept coming back for you. You know, you turned them down, but but yeah. they obviously wanted you and saw you as uh, yeah. a kind of man to take them forward. Yeah, they, they, they did. And that, that did prompt me. It's always nice when you, you sort of want it in that respect. Mm. And and I, and I wasn't put in a position at, at York where they, they didn't want me. They did want me to stay. And I, and I got that. But... We, we we couldn't agree on how we were going to do that, and I, and we're not even talking about money. That was that wasn't even. It was just, look, can you are you going to look at giving me a contract? And then we haven't even talked about how much or how long or whatever, and, and it didn't happen. So it turned out all right for me, and, and for me personally in the mm-hmm. end, because it, it it happened. But it was you know I keep saying to people that's the only time I've ever been threatened with being sent to prison or you know being <laughs> being up on trial and cracking. It scared me to death because I'm not that I'm not involved in that type of thing. But yeah. we got there in the end and. Uh, and and it went on okay, and 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 you know he invited my wife and myself to the playoff final, and at Wembley, and we, we went, and the whole thing was is and was and still is for me is is, is amicable. I haven't got a problem. Yeah, that would have been a weird conversation in a prison cell, wouldn't it? What, what are you in for? <laughs> Yeah, oh, I was leaving it, York City for Bristol Rovers. It'd have, it'd have probably been more more interesting on this chat with you than the one you've got off at the minute. But yeah, it would be. So what you? Yeah. yeah. How, how did you feel when when York won promotion? How did you feel when they won five one at Barnet that that day? You were walking the dog. Did you know? Did did you have kind? Of, were you happy for Alan? We we did you give him words of encouragement when you left? I did. Yes, I did. I, I had no problem with with, with it. It was. It, and I was really, really pleased for Alan as much as anything. Because we, we, you asked me right at the beginning, how did you get on with Alan? And at the end, we were good mates. We got on very well. And said good friends, good working people that we, we did together. And so I was really pleased for him. But I think flipping it, you know, they've done that without me. You know, they, <laughs> they've, oh, they've really missed me. That okay, you lot. But I was pleased for the lads. Pleased for him because mm. we we put we'd worked at that together. And uh, and 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 then we're going to Wembley and seeing them. Win. I was really, really pleased for that because. I, I, I didn't stick around at the end because it's not my game. It was, it was his time, his, his team, and his his football match and stuff like that. And and Ali, my wife, and myself, we got in the car and went back. We congratulated the chairman. Didn't even go down to the dressing room because that's that wasn't my place. Yeah. And I, and I didn't think I should be there, you know, because it's am I am I grabbing a bit of glory off these guys? No, I wasn't. It was down to them and and down to Alan. So I was delighted for them and everything in in a. Roundabout way worked out okay, or worked out very well for both groups. Well, yeah, and and I was just going to come on to Bristol Rovers because you you kind of did a similar sort of rebuilding <laughs> job with with them, and yeah. and in 1995 you 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 know had the chance yourself to to walk a team out at Wembley. I think there were 60,000 yeah. fans there against Huddersfield. I mean, we'll come on to the game itself in a second, but but that must have been an incredibly proud moment for you as as a manager to to walk a team out at Wembley must must be really special. Yeah, I don't, don't think I've told anybody this one after a week. After my first week at Bristol Rovers, I'd found out that Bristol Rovers didn't have a stadium. They played at Bath City. Didn't have a training ground. We trained at a local works company. They didn't have offices uh, around. They, they were at Bath City. There was an office in, in a different part of, of Bristol. They didn't have things that I, I hadn't really looked at in a deep way. And after a week, I remember, I remember ringing, ringing home and saying, I think I've made a mistake, you know. And and, and as calm as I'm, I said, what do you mean? I said, I just think, I said, we haven't got anything. So we better do something about it. And my, Ali, my wife's always been like, well, you've done it now, you better do something about it. And I actually had a, 
I went, right, yeah, she's got a point. Uh, so I, I had a T-shirt made up, and I called, I called us, the club, the Beggars, Stealers and Borrowers. So we don't own anything. So we're begging and we're stealing and we're borrowing. What can we do? And that kind of put a co- collection with the supporters. Yeah, he's right. We haven't got anything. But he's come here to try and do it. And we were, we were all in a relegation position anyway. So we, we got relegated. And then it was right, right. We've got to put this. We've got to start building again and put this together and getting it right. And that was how I... I, I used to wear this T-shirt doing press conferences sometimes. It said beggars, stealers and borrowers. And, 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 it, and it attracted attention from the support. So we'd get 6,000 people, you know, at Bath City. Mm. They, you know, they, were, they were parking up at midday for a three o'clock kickoff and because the parking in Bath wasn't, wasn't really a lot, a lot for it. And I, and I just thought, well, you know what, this, this is, there's, a, there's a heart to this football club and it's, and it's this group, this 6,000 people that come here every other Saturday. And, and that, like you say, they... They, they built up and got bigger and bigger as we, we went on. So I listened to my wife, as I always do, still do. And then when we, we, we got a we got something going together, we got it, we got it working. We're right. We haven't got anything, but this is what we're trying to do. And people stuck with me. And um if this that might account for, for my next question. I was going to ask, you never went back and signed any players from York. I mean, a, a lot of managers who have had yeah. success in in its side would, would naturally go back and try get you know a couple of players like you know I was sort of thinking you had Marcus Stewart front it was it was fantastic yeah. had, a, had a great career I'm sure you, it probably went through your mind that having a Stewart and Barnes partnership would would be great for Bristol Rose. was that because you didn't have the money to do that then did, did you ever or, or was it was it kind of like a, an agreement with Douglas Craig that you wouldn't go back and take any of the players no no agreement no we didn't he didn't go to that department with me it was just it was we didn't even discuss that really that, with, with, with York City I, I I just looked at the players I'd got and thought right we, we didn't have a lot of money because I said we didn't own anything so we were mm. paying for things that weren't ours if you see what I mean right, what we're going to do how we're going to get around this and, and how we're going to organise it so it was a it was a rebuild from within, if you like, all free transfer players and people that I, I, I knew about at that, that level and could come and play. And, um, and that's what we did. We, it took, as I say, it took us that rebuilding year. And then the next year we, we got ourselves in that, that final and, and the players had developed and people like, say, like Marcus had, had needed a bit of guidance. And, uh, and and we did that within the football club room and he repaid us with his quality because I knew he'd got a good player there. And I, I, I took a lad called Dennis Booth with me, coach. And Dennis and I had played at Lincoln City, so I knew Dennis really, really well. Dennis was two things in one person. Dennis was a really good coach, but he was also a bit of a comic and a bit of comedian, and he could have a bit of fun with people, whereas I'm a bit more serious, and particularly when my football comes around, yeah, I can have a, have a bit of bit of joke, a bit of fun. Kind of like what that. Steve Harrison was at Watford. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Steve was also a very good coach, so they, they, they covered this thing. So I said to Dennis, come, come down with me. And Dennis worked hard with, with with people like Marcus Stewart. They would stay after us. They they developed a bond, if you like, as coach and 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 and, and Marcus would say, 20 minutes at the end, Boothie. You go, yeah, get yourself ready. You're right, no problem. But they, so they'd go off for 20 minutes at the end. And you know, I, I might be doing a warm down or something like that with the other group. They'd say, well, I said, no, that's what's up. Don't worry, everything's fine. And that was important to me. That, that Dennis was also a big a big help to me. We lived together. We went and rented a house together. I was annoying because he's a smoker and I wasn't. But I made him go outside, so that was all right. But Dennis, I think I learned that as I went along. The people you work with are very important to go with your group. And uh, and I had never had a 
problem with uh, with, with the, the staff at, at York City. Never had a problem with thinking, are they like They were spot on, and so was Dennis. And as we went into, so were the staff at Bristol Rovers because there was we put an organisation together that they respected and I think they wanted it. You know, the, the, and that's what we did. So yeah, work, worked out all right. So you know, the choice I think of a manager, the choice of your coaching staff is just as important, if not more important, than your playing staff. Because you yeah. can develop your playing staff. Not sure you can. You know, sure. You know, it depends if you, if your coach is really into that. They can they can get some joy out of that out of the development of your team. I mean, there's such fine margins in football, and and, yeah. and that that playoff final against Huddersfield, uh, you lost two one to Neil Warnock's mm-hmm. um, side, but yeah. such a golden chance at one all, wasn't? It? I think it was Gareth Taylor missed. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure how he missed. And then well, you know you, you go on to lose that game, and and a, yeah. you know I think a year later you, you left Bristol Rovers. I mean that that must you must look back on that game and think if only he'd, he'd scored that chance because I don't think it was yeah. long to go. It wasn't no, and it was like so it would have probably been a winner. And but yeah, I, yeah. I mean as I've got older and wiser, I suppose you think yeah, you know, the, these things happen in football and, and whatever. But I look back on it more as proud that we got that far and we'd improved the team and the club that that much and got got ourselves there. And then. Then we sold Gareth for a million pounds. And uh, I remember when I left, Marcus Stewart gone sort of public said, I'm not going to play for Bristol Rovers again. And he didn't. He, he'd worked there again later on as a coach, but we sold him for a million pounds as well. And those days, that was a massive deal, that, that the big bonds that are today. So we developed things within the football club and, and, and got it right. But we... We needed to get it settled and move back into into Bristol, really, and get it get it going on that to to then make it make the next development. Sometimes people at football clubs, like many managers, don't last more than three years because people want to change instead of giving build up time to the people that that could probably do it for them. But they they get a little bit restless about how slow it is or how much how quick it's not or whatever. And, and that's that's kind of what I felt with, uh, with with these things, but we'd we'd moved it on and we'd got it going, but we'd, we'd, we're selling players, really important people, and that's that that slows down any improvement, obviously. Yeah, and yeah, and, and, and I guess some of those players are, are probably irreplaceable in in some respects. Yeah. You can get the money, but the, yeah. you can't find a like for like replacement for someone like Marcus Stewart. And no. I mean, you, like I said, you, you left Bristol Rovers. You you did some coaching at, at Burnley, where you were working with uh, Adrian Heath and and, and working yeah. with Paul Barnes again. Your next yeah. managerial appointment was at Ashton Gate, Bristol City. Quite a bold move, I guess. You know, going to Bristol Rovers uh, rivals. I think you lost the first game, but then won five straight games to get them into the playoffs. So I guess, I guess that probably helped remove yeah, any sort yeah. of bad feeling. Yeah, because people in Bristol they used to have a, a game every pre-season between City and Rovers, which is like crazy. Really, don't don't do that. Because <laughs> giving people an excuse to cause one or two problems, but it happened, and and I got to know one or two people at the, at the other club as well, and stuff like that. But going to Bristol City after Rovers didn't, didn't bother me really. What bothered me was yeah how I would get on with it, and if I knew, and you kind of know, look, if I do okay, I'm going to be okay. The, the people are all they want; they're not even. They're not, they're not bothered about the whole thing. It's just that that was then and this is now for, for me. But then, like I say, losing the first game, okay, I've got to, after that, I had two of my back four suspended right, for the next game. And I went with a five at the back, a five, three, two. And I just kind of put it together the day before because it was a Tuesday and I did it on the Monday. And um, I think we went to Luton, I think, and, and won. And I stayed with it. 
<laughs> we won five on the trot, and, and I've got flipping. I've got lucky here. I mean, and that, and, and that was sometimes you have those breaks. You know, I talked about disappointments in the game. Sometimes you have things that work your way, and and that suited the team and the group that I'd got at that time, and and we we got into the playoffs. But it was we weren't ready for that. We played Brentford, and we weren't ready to play them or beat them really. But it was what it then gave me. It gave it gave the club. And they gave me a million quid, go and spend, spend, buy some players. And they gave me some money to go and improve the group I'd got. And, and, and I, we, we did do that. We got that bit right as well. And you know, a lot of work. And then we only spent half of it. So it wasn't too bad in a sense. But we, uh, people like Adi Akinbae come in who I knew, I knew Akinbae from time at Wolves. And, he, you know, so from scoring goals, he was Gilling, I think he was. And then I went to Wolves with him. And But he, 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 he was my goal scorer. A bit like Barnes, you know, getting, mm. getting some, getting a goal scorer in. You got, Got this money to spend. I might as well spend the bulk of it on a on a goal scorer because that's you know what we all want, and and that's that's what I did. He was a, he was a good good signing for us. And and your first full season at Bristol City promotion to the first division. Yeah. Uh, second to so I think Graham Taylor's Watford wasn't it? So yeah. <laughs> I wondered whether you were on speaking terms that season. We went to dinner at his house. It was fine. We played each other. Drew one each at Watford. And Ali, my wife, and myself were invited to Graham's house, and we, we went. We actually went out. We didn't go. We went to his house, then we went out for for dinner on the night, and we were we were fine. So yeah, we just we just weren't. Uh, we were still friends, but just sat in di- sat in different departments and for for an hour and a half in the afternoon, but sat around the same table at night, which is you know great great friendship. Yeah, and, and it, like I say, great season, and uh, you know it was very close between yourselves and Watford. I think you lost Sean Goat, didn't you, on on deadline yeah, day to Man City? Was that yeah. was that what stopped you kind of winning the title or giving you a chance of winning the title when when you lost a so. key player like him? Yeah, I think it was. We on a on the Thursdays we used to do a uh, a, a dinner with a couple of players and me and some supporters, two or three supporters maybe, and on this. Thursday, we were we'd gone to the local hotel. We met supporters. They they yeah, that's nice to meet you. This is Marcus. Oh yeah, lovely to see you. My phone rang and someone said, uh, "Club selling, selling. What do you mean you're selling him?" So we're selling him this afternoon. I went, what? And I, and I said, "I'm really, I really am sorry. I'm going to have to go." So I got in my car and I've gone down to the club and I went up. And they they'd done it. They'd done it without my knowledge mm. and without me being involved in it. And the club had so. I think it was only for about, I'm going to say only, it was about 450 yeah, grand or something 400, like that. 400,000, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And I went, we're going to, where did we go? Wickham on the Saturday, I think. And I'm I'm still like fuming. I've, I've done, it's probably got me the sack in the end, but I've done a, I've done a TV one, a TV interview, and, and I've told them, so it's nothing to do with me. I didn't sell him. You know, mm. I was at a dinner and I didn't know any of this was going on. And I said, so I didn't want him to go anywhere. So, but, and I said, and to be fair to him, I said, he's a good lad. He'd have accepted that and got on with it. I said, we could have done it at the end of the season. So, but we, we, we needed him to help us get promotion. We haven't got it now. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. And then we went to Wickham and won, which, which I thought was a massive response from the team. And we managed to win the game and I calmed down a bit and off we went and, and so carried on doing it. We, we just missed out right at the very last game. I think it was just one too much for us with people, you know, blowing oh, blimey, in terms of getting the championship, but we are winning the league, but we, we, we got, we got ourselves where we wanted to be. And then after that, I did 12 games the following season. And again, we, we bought a player without me knowing. Yeah, Tony Thorpe, wasn't it? I've got that written yeah. down here. You descend him when I, you're on holiday. Yeah. And I've gone, what, what, what's, what's going on? Who's doing, you know, what you're all doing? And I, and I, 
of course, you're talking to the press then. I can't lie to the press, can I? I can't, you know, I can't. Mm. And I said, no, I was, I was in Portugal when we signed him. I said, I didn't know we were signing him. So I've got nothing against the player. So that's not his fault whatsoever. And then we played away somewhere. And I remember taking him off because we were getting beat 2-0 or something. And I made some changes, a couple of changes quite early, half an hour, 35 minutes in. And, I, and he was when <laughs> I took off. And I, and I get the feeling that the people up there who bought him were thinking, oh, he's getting back at him now. And I wasn't at all. I, I would never do that. I'd never blame the player. It's not the player's fault, is it? And that was when we started a little bit of fallout. But even then, it wasn't it wasn't great. I, we'd done 12 games. We'd stabilised a bit. I think we'd done 12 games. We stabilised. We're in the bottom half, but we'd stabilised. We weren't we weren't rocking at the bottom or whatever. We weren't pushing the top, but we were we were steady. And I drove into work as I did every sort of Monday. I drove in, bought the the, the Western Daily Press, and read it. And the on the back page, Ward sacked. And I've just bought that newspaper, and, I, and I, that was the first I knew about it. We beat somebody on the Friday night. I can't remember who it was now. It was a, oh, it was a big club, and we'd beaten them. They'd yeah, been... I think it was live on Sky, wasn't it? I, yes, I think I yeah. vaguely remember watching yeah. it at the time. Yeah, and, 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 and they yeah. were sort of saying about you almost like a dead man walking, really, which yeah. was ironic given, yeah. that, like you say, you'd won the game. Yeah, we won the game. And I went, I went home and, I, and I said to Ali, I'm just going to gonna have a couple of days, Saturday, Sunday off now, and then go back in Monday and get on with it because we've won. And I can, I can do that because we've won Friday night and, and what have you. And then I went in on the Monday morning, bought the paper and sat in my car. And I mean, well, what on earth? I've driven to the ground. Chairman's car's already parked in. So I'm there about half seven. He's parked in already. John, can I see you? I said, I think you'd better. And I, and I didn't say anything more than that. I just thought, I'm, I'm sort of fuming and not knowing now. So I took the paper in with me and just put it down. I said, what's all this? Tell me about it, Chairman. And he said, yeah, I'm bringing in Benny Lenartson. And I said, well, who's Benny Lenartson? And he told me a bit about him. And he said, well, you can work with him if you want. I said, has he said that? He said, well, no, but I can say to him. I said, you can't do that to him. So you can't do that to him and you can't do that to me. I said, and, and without something you know, blowing over and, and not right. And I sat at the club all day Monday. I went to my, my accommodation on the Monday night. I went on Tuesday and stayed there all day Tuesday. Just sat in my desk, sat in my office. And eventually he came through. He said, uh, John, the chairman, the manager's coming in tomorrow. I said, he wants this office, doesn't he? He said, yeah. I said, right. I said, I'm going home. I'll go home tonight. Then I said, but you've done it all wrong. I said, you've not, I'm not there to help your support any of it. I can't. And I've, I've driven home. And as I've got home, I'm listening to the Radio 5 Live and stuff like that. And it said, uh, John Ward has resigned at Bristol City. I went, oh, he's, yeah, I didn't do that because I'm driving. But he said, I... Uh, he, he told him I've resigned. And I, you know, anyway, so I'm now LMA to help me out. I'm in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And, and this, the LMA were good for me. He came in. They played their first game on Saturday and I think they got beat six. And I think, and I'm not saying that's because of me, but I think my players felt like I felt. But what have you done? Why have you, why have you stopped this? Why, have, you know, we were, yes, we were battling to get more points and improve our league position. Yes, we've, we, we know it's not easy, but. You know, we're playing clubs like West Brom, you know, big big clubs in, in, in that level and who, who couldn't get in the Premier League at that time. And they'd given us 12 games and that, that was uh, bumped out. I think they ganged up and said, well, we, we can't play here now, can't do it. You know, because we'd, we'd built a, like we'd done, like I'd tried to do at York and Bristol Rovers, we've got a, something going as a reason, you know, for we, this is how we've got to do it. Yeah, we you know we're going to get beat, but we've got to bounce back. We can come back the next game. And that was the mood of, but I tried to get in my clubs and and I think these boys have had their mood shattered. 
It, it must have been difficult for you as well, because because on a personal level, it, that summer that had just gone, that that had been your first promotion. You know, you, you'd yeah. you'd kind of taken York as far as far as you could, and then moved on. So missed out on that that kind of Wembley moment. You were so close with Bristol Rovers, uh, like yeah. like we talked about, and then to win promotion, which must have been a great personal accolade for yourself yeah. at a big club like Bristol City. And then most teams, when they get promoted, have a bit of momentum with them, don't they? And, and like you say, yeah. twelve games in, and and the way that 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 departure, I didn't quite know the ins and outs there. Yeah, must have been so disappointing for you to take. Absolutely, and I, that, that's how I felt about it because I, I hadn't seen it coming. They, they chatted about it, and the, there's a bit of bit of press. But, you know, there's all sorts of things about it. But we'd won on the Friday, so the mood had. That had gone to a that's well, good Brilliant. result that takes you up there and I'd made the decision oh, that was I was you know that, that, that bit, of, bit of relief I can have two days I can just calm down go back in Monday start to build and off we go again and start the work on and I got great with the players they were the same group of players that got us got us promoted and we had approached in the same way as I've talked about working with other groups like York City's the lads involving the lads getting part of the lads and they, so they saw me. Yeah, I was the I was the gaffer. I was the manager. When I walked in their dressing room, they didn't they didn't all sulk and hide away. They, hey, gaffer, you're right. Yeah, what are we doing today? There was conversation. There was a there was a camaraderie, if you like, a togetherness of what and, and that was what the staff and myself had tried to build within a group of players. And we'd done that with this team. We can do the playoffs. Those games last year give us a chance. Now we're a bit better. We've signed two or three players. Yes. Come on, let's 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 step it up, and 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 even when we lost games, which you do, you know, there, there was still that. Come on, yeah, come on, boys, come next week. We've got to do this. Or we negotiated that, if that's the right word, or we built that within the group and that 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 kind of resistance. And I think, like you said, got us close on occasions and got us there on this one. I mean, d- despite being sacked, I mean, I imagine your stock as a manager will have been pretty high after the fact that you yeah. had won promotion. You, you ended up coaching at Wolves and uh, went got into the Premier League. I think that was part of your sort of five years away from management and then went to Cheltenham in 2003, yeah. which was clearly a great time for you. I mean, promotion via the playoffs in 2006. And I think you, you're quoted as saying that was the best thing you'd ever done in football, which is some accolade based on, you know, the, the previous stories and yeah. experiences and, and achievements you'd had in the game to this point. So, so what was it about Cheltenham that was so special? They supported my rebuild very, very much publicly and personally. It was second bottom. It's, it was in danger of going out the division, out the football league. It'd been a non-league club previously and didn't want to do it again. And I said to the players, right, we're going, and this is, sounds like a familiar story, right, we're going to work, team shape, we're going to do this every day. I said, it might be half an hour, it might be two hours, it's up to you. I said, it's up to me. I said, well, yeah, I said, I'm not against playing head tennis, I'm not against five sides, I'm not against crossing and shooting because it's part of it. But I said, we've got to get organised. I had a... Friend, a good friend of mine is Keith Downing, who went on to manage, took him down there as well as, as a coach a bit later on. And he would ring me up and say, oh, got a draw? Any draws today? Yeah, I've got another draw. Yeah, we're just drawn away at Kidderminster, one each. Yeah, done all right, Keith. Bump, thank you. And he would laugh because you, right, you've got a result away from home. And, you know, you've, you've, you've dug in and got this and got that. And so that's what we've got to do. And we, we managed to go from second bottom to 14th, if I remember it rightly. I think the second season we finished 14th again and then the third season we, we pushed it up. I do my local press and stuff like that and say, look, yeah, we're trying to rebuild. It's going to take some time because we're, we're getting three and a half, four thousand people, the big supporters. We need to keep them coming. We need to get a few more if we can. But we, we can't, you know, we can't go throwing money away. We've got to look after the football club. It's got to be here for other people. We've got to make sure it works. And they supported all of that. And we we, we managed to build it. We managed to do these things and stuff like that. And, and again, it was something I'd 
done before. And I, I learned all this off Graham, by the way. You know, we've got right back to Graham Taylor, mm-hmm. rebuilding and putting things together and getting people in the right positions and the right mood, if you like, of getting things done. And I remember going through a spell of losing six or seven games on the trot. We lost the game at home one night uh, and I, I drove home with Ali and I'm thinking, this might be it. So we've gone seven or eight games without a win. This might be it. Ali, I don't know, I don't know what they're thinking. And I've, and I've got home and uh, when, when, oh, it's just a Saturday. Sorry, not a, not a midweek, it was a Saturday. So at eight o'clock at night, the phone rings and it's the chairman. And I've gone, chairman? I go, oh, chairman, you're all right? He says, John, I just want to say that we're supporting you totally. The board have had a meeting. We support you absolutely totally. Not one question of a doubt. We want you to keep going. We know how you're thinking a little bit. We know it's disappointing for you, but we're behind you and we want to go well. And I'm like, wow. Tell me another manager who's had a call like that, but one where they mean it. We might have had somewhere mm. they they don't quite mean it all, but they they meant the it big vote time. Of confidence. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fantastic. But they, they, they it was the chairman who'd done it. It wasn't the club secretary. He'd done it. If, if anything had gone wrong, I could go back to him and say, "Why did you tell me that? You're the chairman." Mm. And he and but he wasn't that type of guy. He'd been there when they were non-league, so he'd been through the the ups and downs. And I just I just felt a lot lot better. And I just went, wow, that is incredible. And you know, I just just opened a bottle of wine and said, I didn't drink it all, but just thank you very much. That's right. So I, and and Alice said, there you go. You're working with good people. Go and get on with it. Good words off my wife yet again. <laughs> but but it's, it, she was right, and she felt that way about it because she came to the games and stuff. So uh, but yeah, they they were massive supporters of that. Even in even in disappointment and defeat, they were massively supportive and let it be known. And you got your reward, didn't you? Beating yeah. uh, Grimsby, I think it was at the yeah. Millennium Stadium, wasn't it? Yes. To win promotion, and yeah. and again having to having fallen sort of short of a of a sort of fine margin with Bristol Rovers, it must have been great to be on the other side of that. And I presume that's why you said it was the best thing you'd done in football. Yeah, with with people, the people side of it as well. That was one of my reasons for saying that. Not not that I disrespect other people, but the the, the way that I've just explained to you. But they they also, I asked if we could stay over. And because I said, look, this might be the only time the final we get. Can we stay over? And the, the club said, yeah. And the chairman, and we stayed over on the Friday and the Saturday, which like was a lot of money for the club. And it wasn't a massive crowd. There wasn't a big cash builder or anything like that. But they agreed that we could do it. And because of that, I could tell the players that we're doing this, we're staying over. And a number of the players' families stayed over as well, their, their parents or whatever. And on the Saturday night, you can imagine our, you know, our feeling, how we were and stuff like that. Friday, we built together and... I had two scouts. I'd invited them. I'd been able to invite them to the game and they were shaking the nervous as Rex, really, but they, they were proud to come there. And when we'd won it, it was party time. And and the families and my two scouts, we all joined in together. We'd, we'd stayed together. And I remember, I don't know, going to bed at one in the morning, leaving some of them there, but taking the trophy and sticking it at the side of the bed and just saying, and luckily it was still there in the morning. <laughs> Nobody, and I, yeah, I just got that. But the chairman had driven home, dropped his family off and driven back to be at the party, which, again, was for me, was a big plus because he wanted to be part of the group. And that was after he'd said those things to me before. And, and, and just think, good, I was so pleased for him that what he'd said and what they'd done, that we'd paid off with this or we'd paid them back a little bit with this sort of promotion side. So, but yeah, good good work and hard work, but good good response. You ended up leaving Cheltenham for, for Carlisle after yeah. after four years, which must have been a real 
tough decision to make given exactly what you've yeah. just said there about you know yeah. you kind of love for the for the for the club and and the chairman do you regret that sort of the way that you left Cheltenham for, for Carlisle or was it was it just that you'd maybe taken them as far as you could after four years two things yeah I do regret it and I regret it on the base that I went to Carlisle expecting similar ways of similar sized club and things like that and we can do this and build that one and get this one and get that one and leaving the one I'd got they, they got a good fee for me in terms of contract and stuff like that. So that respect financially, they were uh, they were very well off in terms of that. Carlisle went big time and flew me and Ali up from Coventry Airport, <laughs> flew us to Carlisle, circled the ground because they didn't want me to be seen at the club. And I'm not one. Dropped us off and so talked about it and we got the job and got through to the playoffs. And I'd, I'd looked at it all and said, right. And I'd come sort of, so that's the first time in 30 years that we've got this. Now that we've, first, we've achieved this, Leeds United away. Looking at, you know, where Carlisle United, they're going to Leeds. Beaten 2-1. And they scored late on it. It'd been 2-0. But, but they, anyway, great result. Got, got back at home. 12,000 people in a 15,000-seat stadium. Stay standing and seating. And I, and I couldn't understand that. 3,000 had come from... From there is from the opposition as well. And I thought, what, what's happened here? Where's, where is everybody? You know, where's our people, all these people that were craving for this, this success? And, and it annoyed me and, and to a point that, that, yeah, we lost the game. We lost it 2-0 because some of my players, we, we didn't cope with it very well the second game. We, we weren't big enough, I don't think, to, to deal with it as, at that particular time because we'd done it quite rapidly. A bit, bit like I'd said before, we got there too soon. But having said that, We've got beat. We've got knocked out, and it's a real disappointment. But we've we've had a we've had a, a function, a player player of the year function afterwards. <laughs> uh, really difficult rolling. So it's, and one guy's come up to me, a supporter, and he said, "I blame you for not getting promoted." You know, I said, "What do you blame me for?" So getting beat, getting back to what by Leeds United. But yeah, so I said, "Who who do you give success to for getting in the playoffs that she haven't done for thirty years?" And he went, "Oh no, I'm not involved. You got, but you cost us promotion. You have." And I said, I've given you the chance to get promotion. Who else has given you that in the last 30 years? And, and someone had to come and tear me away because they could see me getting... Mm. And, I, and I, I, I'll tell you that story because I, I never felt that I was warmly brought into that within that football club. It never, it never felt that they were going to get with us and get tight. Like, like, we, like I talked about at other clubs, like Cheltenham had got together, the supporters, they'd done it at Bristol. They did, they, they did it better. And I, I, I regret leaving... Cheltenham and going there because of that, but I didn't know that at the time, obviously. Mm. But I think mm, I've gone from gone from a friendly football club, if you like, to one that's not, not everybody. I can't, I, but and it's not just that one guy that's upset me. But there was a feel about the place that was. I remember a game. I think we played Port Vale at home, and we were we were losing two 0 and we half time we hadn't played well, and, and I'm coming off and we've got a bit of stick, and that's fine. That happens. Going back and setting off, and we, we've we've really stepped up the game, and we've, we're attacking. We've hit a shot, and we've hit the bar, and, and I jumped out. It's, a, it's like a low down dugout, and I had to get up and jump out. Ah, oh, no! And I turned around, and they're leaning on the dugout, and and I said, "How's oh, that? We've hit the bar," and, and 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 I can't use all the language, but I said, "Yeah, we're not trying to hit the bar, though, are we?" And uh, we've got to do better than that. Or, you know, this, it's not even an applause because we've had a shot at goal. And, and I just thought, we're not together here. This is not working out. And as I say, in the end, I, again, I did another dozen or so games and they, they, they sacked me as well. So mm. I'm just, right, I've got to go. Yeah, it's just a thing with Chelsea because it, it, it's uh, that they'd obviously shown you great loyalty yeah. at your lowest ebb and then, and then 
I guess they'd yeah. have probably wanted that back. And I, I wonder, because yeah. you, you seem like you are quite a loyal person at, at, you yeah. know, at various sort of times in your career, where, whether you did regret that, which Absolutely obviously regret it sounds it. like you yeah. did. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. that, that Leeds United game, I, I was looking at that, they did score really late on, didn't they? And, yeah. and, and you probably wouldn't have even played Leeds United had they not had the 15-point deduction. I imagine they yeah. would have been automatically yeah. promoted. So yeah. if you'd have played someone else in that game, you might have had another, another trip to, to a final. Yeah, but yeah, it, we may have done, but that, that, yeah, there's football's full of ifs and buts, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that was one of those. If you've done that, like that. but they, what, what did happen? And, and like I said, I, I didn't feel as welcome there as I did at Cheltenham, mm. and I, I, I got that wrong. And I, I should, yeah. you know, but and one of the reasons I did the Cheltenham thing was that we, we'd sold again our two best players got moved because that was the sort of what happens, doesn't it? Smaller clubs, they yeah, people come and buy them off you and take them yeah. away. And I just thought oh, I've got to do this all over again, another, but. I should have done. I should have done that. But hindsight yeah. is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you ended up um, at Colchester a couple of years later, and and yeah. one player I wanted to talk to you about was uh, someone I know re- really well through through the podcast, and and have kept in touch with him subsequently. Richard Brody, and I know he was talking about regrets. I know he really regrets that he didn't sign for you at Colchester, and I think he really wanted to. He ended up signing for Crawley, and uh, it was yeah. a record at the time, and. I think they blew Colchester out of the water in terms of what what they could could yeah. pay. Do you think you would have worked well with Richard? Because he, he he does have that as a regret of his career. But he, he does think yeah. he he signed for the wrong manager at the time. Yeah, I think I'm not trying to be clever, but I I was a forward player myself, so I've got support and I, I think I've got that bit of knowledge of, of about foot forward play and stuff like that. But yeah, the the people that you've you and I have talked about, like people like Paul Barnes and Marcus Stewart, forward players and, and strikers and goal scorers and things like that. And that that was my my thing. That was what I'd done since I was a kid, and I felt I was able to talk to goal scorers and forward players about you know where to be, positions to be, and how to do it, what to do, and and, and things like that without it being a drudge or a, or a boring sort of situation. They should get in there and you do that. I sit and watch games on the TV and I go, why is nobody at the back post there? You you watch a game of football and see how many times the ball goes across the far post and, and there's people stood on the edge of the box. Why are you stood there? You're not going to score from there. Get in there. And they'll say, yeah, but what if the ball goes through me? Well, start again. You're, you're 100 yards from your goal. It's not a danger. Yeah, and, and anyway, so sorry, I've just done a bit of coaching with you there. You're okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> about uh, playing days or other. <laughs> yeah, but I just thought, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd like to think, you know, I'd, I'd work with forwards in a more enjoyable way than working with with sort of defenders because of the positivity of it. If you like, sound like I'm going against some of my players. I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> Your last managerial job was back at Bristol Rovers, sort of answering an SOS really yeah. to keep them up. And you took them from second bottom, I think, uh, in December to, to mid-table. You won 50% of the remaining games. Yeah. How does that sort of compare with winning promotion? Because it, it was an incredible kind of uh, job that you did for them that second time around to keep them in the division and uh, essentially, I guess, built the foundations for them kind of going forward. Yeah, well, we were, we were doing that in front of... 10,000 full house people every sort of Saturday and stuff like that. And they supported, yeah, there's, there's in every group of people, there's, there's, there's sort of complainers or grumblers or whatever, but they supported and they, and like I said before, they, they knew what it was like not to have a home, not to have a ground, not to have this, I mean, to make do and drive to bat. And they knew that I knew that as well. So come on then, let's see if we can do it. And so I was actually going to go to Plymouth, you know, and got a chance to go to Plymouth Argyle and work there as a, uh, off the pitch at working with the, the board of directors. And I'd gone a train and I got this call the day before I was going on the Monday, they rang me on the Sunday at Bristol Rovers. And I got on the same train that I was going to take on and 
got off at Bristol, but I told Plymouth I wasn't going to go. I changed my mind and got this chance to do it. But I was only going to go to try and help them get out the, the, the position they were in. And we did that, like you say. But we, again, I said to the players that every day, don't cry, don't come to me and complain about training if I'm doing back four work or if I'm doing shape work, if I'm doing teamwork. This is what we, this will get us out, give us the best chance of getting out of that those problems and and it did and it worked at that at that level and uh, and, and what have you and that was me done but the, the chairman hit me with a an, another one and I made a mistake really I took it and I should have just gone I should have I'd gone to be a director of foot state director of football at, at Rovers or, or or stop doing it but I I carried on doing it and I it was one one session too far one year too far for me that ruling head maybe yeah it did because it yeah, it did. And, but I also got to the point after January of saying to the chairman, right now you need to get your next year manager in. Now you need to do this. Now you need to get it done. Oh, no, we'll wait a bit, John. And I, no, you, you, I need to step out and work with a new manager coming in. And and he didn't do it. We did it. He did it only when he was going to get me out of the way sort of thing, you know, because yeah. he had no choice in the end. Mm. Like he wanted to do that then, but then at that stage, I had no choice because we, we, we were struggling really badly. You're coaching influence over the years and you sort of work with the League Managers Association. You know, I look yeah. at some of the players that played for you, like John McCarthy, Sean Dyche, Paul Tisdale, Gary Owens. You know, a lot of players that have played for you, I don't know whether this is coincidence or not, have gone on and managed. Does that sort of give you satisfaction to sort of see them sort of following your footsteps? Yeah, because I've done the same. If, if you see, you know, I, I understand that that's what players want to do sometimes. That's a, I, I did exactly the same. I, as a kid, I wanted to be a player. As a player, I wanted to be a coach. And um, and and I didn't have to be a manager, but I, I wanted a chance to do that and see how I got on with it. Like I say, in between all of that, like I say, I had five years at Wolves as an assistant. And fine. And I was working with a group of players that I really enjoyed and a club that I, that was great for me and stuff like that. And then, then right, you know, I, because I don't think you can be, people like me can't be choosers. You know, I can't sit there and, well, I'm just waiting for somebody to come and give me a job as a manager. Well, you've got to get out there and do stuff. But I think it's good if people want to do that and develop themselves and, and look at, look ahead a little bit more. And I, I did that. Like I said, I learned that off Graham, going right away back to the start of our chat. I think Graham was either 19 or 20 when he got his badge, I think. And I was 24, 25 when I did mine. I think that was right, is it? I think those details are right. But you think, wow, that's not sure that would happen so much now. But it's good good that people want to do it. And part of things that go on at the LMA, and there's a lot of guys that go to meetings that want to be coaches and want to get involved. And, and, and I support support them and you know sometimes I'll go to the meetings and just be there because you know just sit on a table or listen to chat or whatever and just spend the day with them which is you know I, I really enjoy doing because you're talking football aren't you what did you do John how did that work John there and, and it's not me being right it's just conversations of football people like you and I are having today you can almost be like the Bobby Gould character <laughs> that, that, that kind yeah. of you rang in your hour of need and, and kind of um, be the, the listening ear I've got a small group of managers that they can phone me anytime, day or night, if they want to. I've, I've sat and listened to them on Sundays and whatever. And come on, let's discuss this. Let's chat. And I'll text message them on situations. You know, if I had a good result, well done last night. But I don't, not so bad. Give us a call if you need me. Bum, bum. And I think that's really important. The LMA mm-hmm. are very good at that, but it's not it's not world renowned. It's just it's something that we do within the group and we talk to each other a lot. One thing that struck me when I, I spoke to Nigel Pepper was he he broke his leg, didn't he, quite badly at the end yeah. of his career. And I think you rang him and the next day and said, you know, you can come and use Wolves training facilities. And 
How did you sort of keep tabs on those players then? Because you obviously must have kept an eye on Nigel's career and other players. It, were you someone that sort of, you know, read match reports and, and kind of looked out for people that you used to used to play for you? Yeah, I would. And, and you yeah, know, look at the clubs, the clubs that I've worked at and what's gone on now, how they've done that. But, and I kind of still do kind of check those out and, and just just to keep up with, with what's going on and, and what, what's what's happening with people. And if it's like someone like Nigel who's had, had, a, had something really, really unpleasant happen to him or causing him problems, you need some support. You know, like I, I was out for a year with my cruise ship and you think, well, what, am, what am I going to do here? Who's, and you need, you just need looking after it. And as, and as a manager, as a, as a football clubber, I'm probably as assistant manager, coach, whatever, I used to, Make regular trips into the physio room to see people, just to just to chat with them. Morning, morning, Danny. Okay, yep. How's your ankle? Yep, coming up, brilliant. Well done, mate. See you later. Just and and do you know what? If you're you're going to be sat in there all day having treatment on your ankle, God, that's not as good a woody. Just so that I'm doing. So sure, the player that they're not forgotten because yeah, you know you yeah, are forgotten out you. If if you're supporting yeah. and a player is injured, you you do kind yeah. of forget about them for a yeah. period of time. Yeah. Well, they're in the physio room, aren't they? They're, they're not. You're not talking about them when you have your staff meetings in the morning. You go, well, are you doing crossing shooting today? What are you doing? That's how you, are you looking after Dan today because he's got an ankle injury. That, that comes on the physio report. But I don't know, as a manager, I used to just put my head around the door. That was you know, not always big conversations, but pop in. How are you doing? What are you doing? Nice to see you. Improving? Brilliant. Got a long time. Yeah, I see that. You've got another four months, but stick in there. It'll soon pass. Boom. Give there you go. Yeah, try to. When you look back on, on your career, did do you, do you have? I mean, we talked about regrets there before with, with the Cheltenham thing, but I wondered whether you ever regretted not managing Lincoln, or whether that opportunity ever came up. Just just for that that kind of that, that kind of association that you had with him, and, okay. and and kind of I imagine that would have been a special sort of thing for you to do. Did that ever sort of opportunity ever arise? And would, was that something that, that you kind of look at and think, I wish I had done that? It occurred twice uh, in roundabout ways, not officially, and I said no, and I'd made a point. I, my wife is the eldest of seven, and they've all got families of, there's, there's loads of them, and lots of them all live in Lincoln. My family's from Lincoln. My brother lives in Lincoln. Uh, I moved here because of my job and stuff like that, but Lincoln's the place where I'm from. And, and I, I know sometimes what happens when the manager of a football club gets some problems and not, is not successful, the criticism he can get from people. And I, and I, and I didn't want that to go into my family. Now that sounds strange, but my family would support me, and you know, and I know that. And they, but they people would know that that's my brother, or that's my sister-in-law, or that's my my daughter, or that's whatever, that's my cousin, or whatever. And and I didn't want that to happen, so I just said, no, I'm not. I won't I'm try not to manage the Lincoln City, the Lincoln City job. And 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 I and I didn't. And I, I got asked in a roundabout way twice, not officially, but would you be interested? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not not coming to do it no. yeah you don't want to tarnish your own legacy I guess from from. well no no, it wasn't me it was my family it right. wasn't about me because I, I, look I've been at clubs and failed and not made it and got stick and that and I, and I can and I get that but I wouldn't want my next door neighbour to be you know against me just because I'd, I'd lost some yeah. games as, a, as his football club because he's, you know he's got the scarf on him and, and, and that sort of thing so no, it was purely. Um, I, I'm not going to get involved in Lincoln. I've done that, and I really enjoyed that. And I'm, and it's my club, and I follow them from a distance now. And I, I'm part of their background, and I, I got invited to a game last year, and I went, and I, I got really well treated by people. Mm. But that, I, you know, so just yeah. 
no problem for me. But at that time, I didn't want it to be a problem for my family. I'm very much a family guy and there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, a massive respect for that. And uh, if, if you could relive, I asked you to text you this earlier because I wanted yeah. you to sort of give you a bit of time to sort of ponder it. Um, if Not you could long, relive really one long, game, either sort of playing or, or managing, if you could press the button, you could just go back for, for one day and relive the whole of that, that game. What, what game would it be? Been interesting month for you. This I've, I've written managing, I've written Carlisle, which we talked about losing at home to Leeds and stuff like that. The my, the one that for me was my the first one that I had as a player, as a professional player, and it was back in 1974. Which people go, Wow, is he that old? And yes, I am actually. Yeah, and after 45 games, we were we were promoted, we were fourth in, we were in the fourth division, but we were fourth, the top four went up. And after 45 games, we were up and we played away at Southport and Chester, we lost 3-2. And because of that, Chester went above us without playing a game. And it was when goal difference rather than for and against happened. And and if I remember rightly, it was four hundredths of a goal, if you can work that out. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it's not even three goals or four goals, it's Mm. four hundredths of one goal. And and it was really, you'll have a look when I finish this chat, won't you now have a look? But... I've got it. I had a quick look, and Chester got 57 points, as we did. Their goal difference was 1.684, as it was then, and ours was 1.646. So I'm not far out. Uh, four, four hundredths of a goal difference, am I? So, and and that beat us all up as well. And we stayed. We we're due to stay over because. Graham had booked, Graham Taylor was the manager and he booked the club in to stay over after the game. So you can imagine what was going on. You know, the, the bar was busy, but nobody was enjoying it. You know, it was, it was I remember just sitting up and sitting, flipping out, how's that happened? What we, you know, was, how disappointing is that? The next night, we had to go back because we played Grimsby Town in the Lincolnshire Cup final, <laughs> the County Cup final. Imagine the night we've just had and driving back. We beat them 2-0. And there were two and a half thousand people there supporting us. There's a few from Grimsby, but they'd come to support us after the whole disappointment that we'd all had. And I think that season we scored 79 goals as well. So it was like if we if it'd been on goals scored and mm. we'd, we'd have gone up, but it, it wasn't. And and we went, wow. So it's like the second season, the one after that, that was the one where we lost the first game, and then we went through and got promoted big time and, and, and won the league. And that I think that was, that one game had that massive effect on us, but it became positive the following year. So and uh, I've, I've had games in, as a manager or a coach where you're, oh, that's bad luck or whatever, or something, something's happened with it, whatever. But that just in terms of mindsets, how we returned from doing that, because I said, like, we, we lost the, the first game of the following season, but we went on when he lost three more and got, got promoted and won the league. And five of us, I think, got in the player of the year due at the FA and the, the football league. Was, wow, just a, just a total one-year difference of success and failure. You see what I mean? More failure yeah. than success. So it was so, the significance of that game rather than kind of the experience of, of kind of going through it, is what you're saying? Yeah, we knew if we, if we didn't lose, if we drew the game, we'd be up. We lost it three two, and but then after that, we you know, we'd also lost, as I said, the first game of the season. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, it's happening again. Here we go again. But no, we we, we had we had some really mentally tough, strong people who you know, I was the youngest of that group, and but we pretty much the youngest of that group. But 
I learned a lot off that group of senior players, people like, as I say, Sam Ellis, the captain, and Terry Cooper, who played alongside him. Dennis Booth, who I've mentioned, who's a mm. midfield player in that team. And they were strong mentally and proved it. As it's a York City podcast, I thought we'd finish just sort of uh, yeah. talking about York. Do, do you still yes. look out for their results? What yeah. you know? What what do you make of uh, where they're at now as a club? And yeah. do you keep in touch with anyone from, from your time at York? I don't, not as such, no. Um, just over 30 odd years ago and stuff yeah. like that. But no, I don't. But I, I do look for their results. And I, I saw they lost at home the other day, 1 0. And, and I look, and I look at that, I look at the league table. And, and, you, and I, and I kind of go back to, to, to my time there, obviously, think about it. And I, I remember driving into the ground and seeing buses coming out the ground on the, the dual carriageway. And, and, and I, I got to the ground and we'd get, 1,600, 1,700 people. And I said to someone, I said, so where's those buses going? I said, I've just seen buses with scarves and stuff on. Are they going to Leeds? Mm. And I went, what? I said, they're going, they're going, what? I said, what's Leeds United? So where are they from? I said, oh, they're from down that area in York and, and that's where they go. And I, and, that, and it never really struck me before. That was kind of a silly, not a silly thing from mine, but my an, an experience I hadn't seen. So, I, so I've got to try and stop those people going to watch Leeds, which... For, you know, a big club anyway, but a big club then, then and stay at home and watch us. And how how can we do that? And and you kind of know then you're on a on a battle that's going to be tough to win. And and I feel sorry for York that they've not won that battle and they've they've stepped out of the league for a, a bit. And, and and hope hope that they get back up there because it's always been difficult for for a club that size to do what they what they did when all those years ago when we were there together. Yeah, I, I, mean, I guess 91, 92, the, the time period you're talking about when they're on the buses to Leeds was when they won yeah. the old, the yeah. last last league before it became the Premier League, wasn't it? So probably a, yes. an, yeah. an uphill battle. But, but yeah, you, you know, you, oh, you're yeah. Right. I think York still battle with that today, like, um, you know, the Premier League and, and Leeds United and, and everything. But yeah, um, yeah. But John, it's I been can... absolutely, I've, I've just realised I've taken up almost two hours of your time this morning. Right. I hope you've enjoyed kind of going yeah. back over your memories. You've, you've had such an amazing varied career and and um one thing that struck me kind of looking looking at your managerial career is that there's very few supporters of any club that you've ever managed that that seem to have a bad word to say about even, even colchester where i think it it didn't quite work out in the two years i think like even the the board of directors when you left the club were, were sort of still full of praise for you and, yeah. and, and supporters was- of these clubs you know that that must be quite a good thing for you to look back on you know there's there's quite a lot of managers that i imagine have, have fans absolutely glad to see the back of them but but you don't seem to have that and that's, that's a real credit to you well thank you for that I, I've, I've tried I've tried to be myself I think I think at the beginning I tried to be Graham Taylor a little bit <laughs> and we did the marathon understandable yeah maybe I did and I thought mm, gotta be myself I've got to do it this way and and I like being with people I like being with teaching if that's the right word but working with people and and I have this phrase that you know What's it like being a manager? So, so when you sit in, sit in your office and there's a, a knock on the door, you've got to make a decision, you know. And what do you mean? You've got to say, well, the best, the best one is someone comes in and says, "Can I cup of tea, John?" Oh, yes, please. That'd be great. So I've still got to make that decision. But then it might be you, Dan, coming in and say, "Okay, you got for ten minutes, Gaffer, for a chat. I want to just chat about why you didn't, why you didn't pick me last Saturday." You go, and then you think, shall I do that now or shall I do it later? And, but you've got decisions to make all the time, which. I don't mind doing. I didn't mind doing. I, I, I learned a lot off, as I say, off previous managers and previous people that I've worked with before, and got particularly Graham, and gone, yeah, you've got to do that. You've got to, but then you've got to get the fa- the fans on side. And I got that wrong in my first bit. 
And but then I saw how Graham had done it at Watford and at Lincoln. You know, we we went round Smith's Crisps factory one day at Lincoln just to, on a day out. So we're like, there's guys there making crisps, and they're coming out of machines and stuff all over the place, and the football teams walking through, and they they were brilliant. You know, hey, what are you all right? I go, yeah, fine. And what are you doing? So I'm making these crisps yeah, every day. I go, oh, blimey, you know, I thought, yeah, but we'd gone to see them, and he was mm. a big. Don't just expect them to come to you. Can you go to them? And those sort of things, I. Yeah, they they are important, very very important people to make your football club or your own career working. And I've always tried to do that with with the people side of it. I've liked that very much. And that's it. And I think that that comes through. You know, with, with the you know, like I say, I've done, I've done a lot. I, I pride myself on doing as much research as I can for these interviews and 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 doing that and going to the depths of these these different clubs. You know, they all respected you massively as 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 a man yes. as well as a manager. And I think I think that's really really important. And you know, congratulations yeah. on on your career and and you know, you. I hope you've enjoyed reminiscing over these and, and uh, sort of going back over the stories have been been really yeah, fascinating to listen to. Yeah, I prepared it as well. Look, I've not just gone through <laughs> it. Yeah, I had to remember some of it. Well, yeah. yeah, but no, brilliant. I've, I've enjoyed getting it ready for you and enjoyed the chat. Thank you very much indeed. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for listening to that episode with John Ward. Really love speaking to him. What what a what a you know genuinely lovely man to, to speak to. It's so easy to interview John, you know, I just had all my questions down. He just took them and ran with them, told some great stories and, and great insights into what has been a fantastic career, both as a player and as a as a manager and as a coach. You know, it, it was incredible that he mentioned there that he's managed something like 750 games. Yeah, he would have probably made a thousand if he'd have not had the coaching stints at Wolves and Burnley. Because I'm sure he'd have had offers for other management positions. But you know, Mark of a man that that really coaching was his passion and and kind of developing players, and and that shone through for me all the way through the interview. So as I normally mention, Hospital Ball is a spin-off of York Hospital Radio. We are a charity that's approaching our 60th year. We rely heavily on on donations and and fundraising to kind of keep afloat. So if you have enjoyed this podcast or you do enjoy this podcast, please do consider donating. Our website is justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. Thank you to all the people that have kind of done that in the past. We've raised kind of thousands since we've started doing the podcast and that's always been really, really pleasing to see other ways that you can help us if you are listening to this on spotify then please do rate our show currently i think we've had 31 people rate the show and the average is five stars which is great if you listen to this on apple please do write us a review and you know those sort of things always help kind of spread the word and also you know like i've said before if you know other york city fans young or old please do tell them about the podcast there's so many people even still now on this latest kind of batch of episodes i've done say Oh, I didn't realise this podcast existed. I'm a big York City fan. And then they realise that we've got kind of nine series worth of, of interviews. And, you know, there's so many different eras that I think York City fans, young and old, can all get something out of them. So please do keep spreading the word because, you know, that helps with the download figures and that ultimately helps with our donations. So I'm going to take a little break now from, from doing some episodes. I've got some other contacts that I will hopefully get in touch with in, in due course. But I'm going back to work full time in September and, you know, I need to focus on that really for the next couple of months. But appreciate all, all the support from people and hopefully drop another episode in the near future. Mm-hmm.